Welcome to the Minnesotan Hockey Podcast. The goal of our pods are to give our followers a taste of how great the game of hockey is here in Minnesota. Speaking of great, check out the Minnesotan, a cool and authentic apparel concept, which is one of a kind, 100% unique to the marketplace. You can visit their flagship store seven days a week in historic downtown White Bear Lake or on the web at theminnesotan.com. On today's show, I bring in to the office my good old pal from the neighborhood, Tom Chorsky. We do his part one podcast tonight where we're going to talk about childhood all the way up to winning the Stanley Cup. Should be a great show. Hope you enjoy it. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, good evening, Mr. Chorsky. How are you doing today? Doing well, Tony. Doing really well. It's uh, it's good to be back for doing this backwards, right? We did two, two first and one second. People got a kick out of that, actually. Like, why'd you do it that way? I'm like, well, Tom is involved with the St. Cloud Norseman, and he wanted... To talk about the Norsemen, it was more prevalent to them, and we realized a good dividing point in your life was the Stanley Cup, and you and I have such history with the first half of your, not that we don't have one in the second half, but right. the first half, we go back to the neighborhood, and, and I figured, let's split it in half, and let's get the Norseman thing out there, and, and now we're kind of wrapping up our, our series here, because I'm getting back to work with tournaments and all the events, so this, this, is will, be one of, this will be one of the last couple. I got, I got Matt Cook, uh, oh. former agitator for the sure. Minnesota while i got him on friday and i think that might do it until okay maybe uh the summer is over who knows but i'm like i gotta get chorsky i gotta kick in a few maybe then when you drop off i'll yeah you can start up up back on yours maybe you bring me on there right there's so much easier when you're the guest than when you're the actual host you gotta i do kind of miss it it's fun it is a it's lot good. of fun. I like doing it. Just the, saying you did it, it's like, hey, I did it, you know? He did it. And, and the people, the relationships, the, the, the work you do beforehand, the, the research, is, that's a lot of fun. It's kind of fun, I've too. gotten a lot out of that. So, all right, so where do we start? Uh, you grew up, uh, I know where you grew up. Grew up in Minneapolis right across the street from uh, Lake of the Isles. Uh, uh, up the street. Yeah, not, 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 I like to say right on the lake. You I'm know, not on the kid. boulevard. You're a rich kid, you no. know. <laughs> Smallest... <laughs> Smallest house on the block. Nice house in a really nice neighborhood, but it really was a nice little pad for a two, you know, two kids and then parents, and it was it was a nice little place. Smart buy, right? You it buy was the a really good buy, buy. Buy the smallest house in on the block, I guess. And it was good, and there was a lot of rich kids. I mean, remember the like the Baileys had money, and there was a lot of money in your and, and mine too. I mean, we had some we had money. Some Blake you know? families and Benilde, yeah, and, and there were some professionals. Obviously, a lot of lawyers. It seemed like and doctors that lived around that area because it was a good location but yeah it was yeah. great but uh so you walk i don't know this story so walk through how you got a pair of skates and was it just osmosis because you were that close to the lake and you found an immediate love affair with it what would how did it happen Do you remember yeah that? well I, you know i think it, it really was that the skating rink was within um you know an eye shot from our <sighs> from our yeah. house and my mom, I'm sure, I think I got on the ice when I was five on figure skates, black really? figure skates, yep. And probably even at that point, I was, um, I would say, had, quote, air quotes here, a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And my mom probably just thought, I got to get this kid out of the house 
you know, in the summer. Or he's going to beat his sister up, right? Well, she would have been, yeah, she would have been, you know, she's 18 months younger yeah. than me. So, um, you know, but in the winter, right, it's kind of a long, long, cold winter, as they say, and to get out of the house and get some, get some energy uh, spent on the ice. And, yeah, that's, I just, I obviously fell in love with it, like, like to a, a weird degree. Yeah. Like where you feel like that's where you belong. I mean, yeah. I think everyone in certain professions in certain sports, um, if they're that passionate about it, they start to feel that way where it's like, it's just, I actually had a dad tell me, this is going back a few years when I was coaching and he had a kid who liked hockey so much. He said he was driving him home from hockey practice and you know how when kids are a certain age and they just kind of say what they're thinking. I feel like yeah. this kid was probably a peewee because his dad called me the next day or the next time he came to practice and he goes, hey, you know, Billy, we were driving home and Billy said to me, he said, Dad, hockey's like air to me. Like I need it to breathe sort of thing. Yeah. Or, or I like it as much as I do breathing, you know. Kind yeah, of yeah, thing. yeah, I'm yeah. like, wow, that's, that's, you know, that's pretty big. And, and, and that's how I felt, which is why I spent, you know, from sunrise to whenever they shut the lights off at 10 p.m. at that rink for most of my youth. So uh, I'm going to go first early remembrance, Tom Chorsky. We moved from Burnsville into the city, and I didn't need any coaxing to play hockey. All my brothers played. So right. you had brothers. I, I didn't. That's yeah, another that's reason I, I thought about on the way over. I'm like, one of the reasons I loved, you know, going to your house and sleeping over and being around was because you had brothers and I didn't. And I thought brothers were the coolest. So Yeah. And they beat you up and they, we, we wrestled. They're older. We, they're older. We, they played, you know, it was fun to have older brothers. Yeah. So I didn't need any excuse to play. I mean, I could not wait to get to Lake of the Isles too. I was, I was a rat too. That's how we became friends. We yeah. had a love of the game. sports. It wasn't just hockey, right. whatever we could get a game of anything we would do it but well, we weren't allowed to be in the house right so. no no so i get to lake of the isles and we're playing i think it's the first year you're a six-year-old i'm a five-year-old and we get a mite game and i think he had like 21 goals <laughs> and i'm like who's that guy so i don't remember there wasn't, was there goalies i don't, I don't know, know. <laughs> there weren't if they were they weren't any good but they were you lit it up I, and i'm not exaggerating on 21 it was it was lopsided yeah. and you had, could skate and you were bigger blah 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 all the other stuff everyone's seen you as a youth but I rem what I remember most was and it felt kind of like youth hockey hubbish at the time even as a five year old I remember going okay <clears throat> who's that guy and when can I get him on my team? And what's he look like? What kind of, you know, everything. I, I eyed you up. And then the next day, I was back down at the lake. I'm like, you're the guy. And I just latched on. And I'm like, okay. He was good. The fact that you were good was great. But I knew you would spend a lot of time there. And I needed, you needed friends at the lake, you know, because there were so many people. And then it just took off from there. Yeah, it helps to to know someone's down there. When you get down there, it's a lot easier to, to join into the pickup game. And exactly if, the reason. If, if one of your buddies is in there, right? Like it's a it's an instant entree. Yeah, you get But if into you the don't game. know, you know, then you stand there on the outside a little bit and finally if there's a good, like a nice kid in the group, he'll go, hey, you want to get in? You've seen it a million times. There's a, yeah. there's a Bauer commercial right. about it a couple of years ago about that. It's like, that's what I did. I'm like, I got this guy's going to be in the game. I want to get in the game, and yeah. I want to get as many games as I can. And it's a big part of what we grew up with. Well, if you don't remember that that first year of, of hockey, I, 
I was easy to find when we had to wear helmets. Like we didn't wear helmets on a regular. No, day. no, no, no. But I had the Johnson bubble. Yep. And it was red. Yep. And then I had one of those stupid mouth guards that went over the over outside, the deal. Yep, which, I remember that. People, if they're born, I don't know after they were no idea seventy five. 72 maybe they won't even, <laughs> won't even know, know but there used to be these mouth guards that wasn't it didn't go in your mouth it covered your covered mouth. your outside your mouth with yeah. straps that went and snapped on your helmet and it was you could breathe through it and everything but when you took it off you had this terrible red rash mark around your mouth and just looked stupid but it was functional i guess it, it worked but anyway so yeah down at the down at the aisles um the, the warming house was great um there was a for a long time it was the same attendant. Do you remember the attendant? I don't I'm remember. Trying the attendant. to remember his name. Um but you know, we'd curve our sticks over the hot oil stove. Yep. Um it smelled you, in there. Well so you put bad. your choppers on there and sometimes you'd you know, forget. Right. Sometimes we had hockey gloves if it was like a practice. You want to get those you warm. Put those right? warm and guess what? Mine were plastic. <laughs> We didn't, I didn't have like the good sweet leather. Yeah, I didn't have like. I the had good... hand me downs. Everything I got was hand me downs. Right. Well, for for a while, I didn't have very expensive equipment then, and then once I was a little better, I think as a pee wee, I Your literally dad. remember, like every at Christmas, like my birthday was in September, I probably got a nice something skates. Yep. And then at Christmas, um, I'd get like a nice new pair of gloves. Yeah. Like some good gloves. Not top of the line, but not... You had good stuff. Not plastic. You had good stuff. And then, you know, and then just throughout the year, because we didn't have tons of money, but I just remember enough, got by, whatever, but the good equipment came on special Later. occasions. Yeah, Later, I didn't yeah. get good equipment until high school, until I just for said, hey, yeah. I'm... These men are killing me. I need to be. Well, and protected. your brothers were gone. And yeah, you, you had gone through. And all they the had more guns. money then. I mean, literally, by yeah. the time my brothers went off to college and sister went off, yeah. it was like they had money to give me stuff. But when I was younger, we didn't get any good stuff. I and mean, it was and it was a little tougher. Late seventies were pretty stuff lean. was bad anyway. Yeah, they were pretty lean times for everybody. You know, right. people don't realize that we didn't have a lot. So, so that's the memory. And here's here's a good one. You'll love this one. You had a nickname. And I'll never forget it. People would call you Speedy. Do you remember, you remember that? that? Yes, they would call you Speedy. And and, and Speedy, now we're 50 years old. We can say Speedy, but kids couldn't say Speedy. So they would come off really bad. Stevie, Speedy, you know, they scream. I, for a long time, I thought your name was Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> and Speedy came not from hockey. No, I know. It came but from they when me. I got yeah. to... Harrison or Bryn yeah. Mawr. Might have been Bryn Mawr. Yeah. Um, elementary. And because we'd go out at recess and play, like, touch pom, football pom, pom, or, pom, or, or yeah. smear the football guy. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. And and I was fast. I could run. Yeah. And and, and this will sound, this is, and it was, it was we went to school in, in very racial. Yeah, we crossed the line. We yeah, were, our schools were over in, in North, North Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Yeah. And so we had lots of blacks and whites and all kinds of races. But I remember it was the it was the black kids that called, that you, called Stevie. you Speedy. Speedy. Yeah. It sounded like Stevie. No, they called me Speedy because I think they were kind of surprised that I was that fast. And I was faster than most of the other guys from Lake Hills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was that's true. And, and it was there was a lot of interesting you brought that up because going to school over 
over Ann Watton or Harrison or all those yeah. schools over there. It was a it was a shock for us growing up in Kenwood. At first, when they first started busing over there, but you know, I think for us going to Ann Watton. Oh, and even before that, did you go to Bryn Mawr too? Or it Harrison? was Harrison. Harrison. Yeah. So Harrison and then Ann Watton, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Like yeah. But after a while, it's like that's just that's just what we did. We went to school on the north side, um, and and I don't know. I like, under care. the current circumstances, you know, because of all the the sensitive issues right now with races, which is, I've given it a lot of thought. Yeah. Um, I, we didn't plan to talk about this. No, obviously, this just came up but, right now. Um, you know, it did. If you're if you have half a brain you you during this past couple of weeks i think you do some reflection yeah you know absolutely. and ask yourself and i'm like look i grew up going to school with a lot of black kids and they were my friends yeah and absolutely i can remember names of kids that i was friends with and it didn't matter that they were black it was weird that you know we didn't live anywhere near each other we would get back on the bus and go back home to yeah. uptown and they stayed on the north side so we were just friends at School, School. At, totally. At, at like lunch and gym Especially class, recess, recess. You know, that's where you were playing we sports. Would, uh, one of my best friends. I mean, you might remember this kid. Uh, he played for Hospitality House basketball. His name was Charlie Gilbert, but everyone called him Junebug. And he could I jump remember that out of the gym. He was great. And to this day, I will just see him in random places, and we still you still see Junebug. Oh, I've seen Junebug four or five times in the last. Five years just, wow. just running him in random places. And, and I would go to his basketball games, and he came to one of our hockey games at Augsburg because he wanted to see what, yeah, how what, good we were. What we were already good because yeah. the hospitality house was basically all of the North Side one all-star team, and he played on that team. It was like a club yeah. basketball. I remember that. Yeah, name and, and then they had we had a lot of good kids. Like Remember uh, uh, Terrell Sinkfield went to uh, Anwat, and he played quarterback for Henry and then he played at St. Cloud oh, State. Yeah. So we got some brush with greatness uh, oh, yeah. over there on the on the, the north on the side north athletes sides. and stuff. Yeah. 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 We cool. grew up we grew up with that. It was really cool. So all right, uh moving on. So we we we, we digress. You played uh youth hockey growing up. Um was it e is it easy for you youth hockey as it was for me to watch you? I mean because it was Yeah, I mean I guess I was I was better than Everybody better than most kids, and but um, you were bigger than everybody too. You know the Southwest guys. Eventually, that I got to become friends with when yeah. West closed, and we'll talk about that in '82. Yeah. Um, but when I was a younger, they thought they called me the fat kid. They thought I looked really? fat, and I didn't. I wasn't. I was never. I'm like I was never fat, but I must have had like my my pants or breezers must have been kind of big or thick boxy or, something? or thick or something. But they were like. Chris May, my eventual, you know, line mate in high oh, school, yeah. best man in my wedding, he was like, "Yeah, we called you the fat kid." <laughs> like he's like, "You were good." And yeah. we couldn't we couldn't stop you, but we just called you the fat kid. Yeah, so, it's so kind of weird, but um it was yeah, I mean I just loved the game, loved, you know, trying to win games. We didn't win all the time. We could beat some teams, but there was other teams we could never beat growing up because we weren't that great. Yeah, um, remember the game? Uh, hopefully, you remember this. It was. I still stands out to me when we played the number one team in the state, Minnetonka. Yep. And they had. I mean, this is just so you know the the standard garb for every team, not just not just at, besides Minnetonka, was a jacket you got and you wore it until it got too small. 
And then you got a new jacket. We had West hockey jackets. With patches all over. Patches all over them, right? Yeah, that was standard. Tournament patches. Tournament patches, hat trick patch, whatever, right? Right? That deal, right? Minnetonka had pants. Matching jacket and blue cowboy hat with the white M on it. And they literally walked into the rink, and you were already down by five goals because their swag was unbelievable. And I think that team ended up having like 14 Division One hockey they were good. players. They were really good. And we scored. This is the district championship. We win this game, we're going to state, which we knew we weren't going to win. But they, we, we scored first. It was one to zero. And I'm sure you took the puck end to end and scored. And we lost 16 to four. How's that? I think that I remember that. I, I don't know how I remember that game. The reason I remember it is my dad would have charted it, charted it, and put it in a scrapbook. Yeah, so it was. A, that was a, on the last page of that year's. Yes, of, of the scrapbook, photo book, or whatever. Oh, I'd love to find that. It thing. just says, "I would love to see that." Minnetonka sixteen. <laughs> we, West, and he had, he had great four. handwriting too. Yeah, but we would make our way. We made our way through that district tournament. We beat Snuggerud's team, Hopkins oh, Lindbergh, yeah. in the yeah. semifinals to get to the district championship. In order to get the districts, we had to win the city title, and we won that pretty easily. Yeah, we beat all those idiots from Southwest, and then we got to the districts, and there was like eight teams, and we won the quarters and won the semis, and then we played. And you got a good memory for Minnetonka. that. Well, that was one I'll never forget. That's. Just because it was like, and my dad's business partner, uh, Bill Stevens, his son oh, Tim yeah. was on that team, and his kids now go to went to Southwest. Right, it's kind of roles reversed now. Small but world, totally small world. But yeah, I remember that really well. Um, and then we move on. Um, I just before I forget our our Bantam coach. Wiz Wyatt. I wanted to just. Oh, get, yeah. And now he's like famous because he of hands you. out of our awards and everything. But what are your takeaway yeah. with having Wiz as our coach? You know, I remember he had he graduated from Harvard and was back in the neighborhood. Um, and even back then, probably because of my parents, they were probably like, you know, he went to Harvard and played and hockey. played hockey. In the Ivy League. And, 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 you know, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And we had another, we had another West um, area, West High kid who went to Dartmouth and played at Dartmouth. And I should remember his name right now. And it's Clower? Like, yeah. No, Brad went to North Dakota. Okay. Um, Cannon? It'll come to me. This no. Steve Cannon had a kid who played. Yeah, with Bart Cannon, and he went to, like, Holy Cross or something. Yes. Um, but anyway, so Wiz Wyatt, you know, do you remember when I hit him in the face? No. <laughs> so, like, the very first practice, Wiz Wyatt, he's our, now our Bantam coach. And I probably, he probably didn't, he was 20. Three years old, yeah, you know, yeah, and he's yeah. working. You the know. grain exchange, yeah, downtown. he's like the a nice broker. Suit. He had nice, nice suits suit and stuff. It so come classy, in, clean cut. Comes out, you know, whips on his hockey sweatpants and comes yeah. out to, and we're gonna scrimmage. And he comes out and drops the puck. And somehow I try to win the face off, and I whip my stick up oh, right into right like face. right into his face, bleeding. I think I just caused a big egg. Like oh, I think okay. the yeah, shaft yeah, yeah, yeah. of my shaft of my stick hit him in the forehead or something, you know. I must have turned and went back and and as I turned I carelessly hit him in the head. Oh, he was mad. He he wanted to kill me cuz <laughs> I'm you know, what an idiot. Yeah, yeah. You're such an idiot when you're 23 and a 13-year-old 14-year-old kid Wax who, you. Plus, he, I probably thought I was pretty cool and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So he just was more annoyed with me of anything. But that's what I remember. But I do remember, you know, just really respecting him for what he had done and gone on. And even then, like, 
one thing I'll say about I think us is we really looked up to those. Oh, we did those West High Cowboy High School players and other. We've talked about this, even the good players from Southwest High School, yeah, and the good players from South, yeah, and the good players from Roosevelt, and we we used to recount their names in basement hockey, and we should talk about that too. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was it was kind of cool to have a a college kid who'd come back from playing hockey at Harvard. It was really cool that uh, uh, Wiz, one of the, I think the greatest part of him, this is one of the reasons I named the award after him, is he did a great job of bringing along the third line guys, treating them like kings. And I remember, like, I was always on first line with you, and he'd be building up the Johnny Waz and the Brian Nystroms and these guys that were just barely on our team. And, and he's like, ah, you guys are great. You're the best of the crest. And he'd always point out how great these guys were. I'm like, well, they haven't scored like in six games, coach. Uh, <laughs> how about a little love over here at the first line? And he wouldn't, he just, that. but, but now I look back as a coach years later, I'm like, Wiz Wyatt would do this. And he did a great wow, job. He's of, such a gentleman. Yeah. I mean, he's like the purest, of all time. Gentleman that you can find. Yeah, he's just a super nice guy. So I'll never forget, um, you'll love this story. It was at Bryant Square, our our banquet that year was with, with Wiz. And he would get up and he did a speech about each player. And, you know, he'd say nice things about Tony. And this is Chad Faringer. And this is Ray Christie. And this is Bob Scott. He got, and then he gets to Tom Chorsky. And he goes, I'll never forget it as long as I live. I'm in seventh grade. And he goes, ah, Tom Chorsky, he's a fantastic player. He's our leading scorer. He's going to play college hockey someday. He said that. And I was like, and I'm not going to play college hockey. <laughs> and I only took it as, I've, of course, I mean, you since five years old, you were going to play college hockey. But I was not going to play college hockey. I don't know. That was I, how I, I, I took remember it. that. I never forget it. I was like, you know, we I, eating the, I was eating the three bean salad and like going, wait, where's, where's my love for college hockey? Aren't we all you know? playing? Aren't no. we all going? You know, and he pointed that out. It was so funny. It's such a slap. I didn't think I was going to play. In, uh, when I was about 16, I said. That's when you figured you. I said, I'm going to play college hockey. I, that was when I got determined that I thought I could realistically and legitimately start pointing towards it. It was a tricky, you know, 14 to 16. and this Maybe is I good, was 15. This is a good lesson for kids. Like, between 14 and 16 now, in the old day, until they changed the rules, that's when people were committing to colleges. Now. Now. Or, it was just, it was just, just, just that's, that's a toxic thing. Let's go back to basement hockey really quick before yeah. we move on to high school hockey. Um, I'd like to get your take on it. We spent a ton of – we obviously spent a ton of – I always joke to people. I'm like, yeah, we would wherever there was a game of hockey, you could find us in the neighborhood, whether it be at, at Lake of the Isles or street hockey. Street hockey. 25th Street was always a great flat 25th area. 25th Lake Place. Yep, it was a great spot right for street hockey. Bob Peck's house. Yep. And then uh, if there was nothing going on, we'd have a sleepover. We'd play basement hockey in my house. My house was better for basement hockey than your house. So yeah. there was always an angle on playing hockey. What's your recollection down well, there? I, basement hockey, or is it fair to say, might be the beginning of knee hockey? Yeah, it, what they do now. But we had I had linoleum floors. Yeah, we had tile n- 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 linoleum. Yeah. But we cut off sticks. Yep. And then we also cut the blades. Down. Both shorter and thinner. Yep. And then we make a puck out of tape. Tape of some and, sort. And part of the roll and whatever. And we had goalie equipment. So one guy would play goalie. And yep. then And we did – the guy not playing goalie was the announcer. <laughs> so we would announce the game. <laughs> yeah, we would. We, and yes, we would. We were either high school teams 
playing against West. Yep. Like Roosevelt. Yeah, West would always win. West would, in the end, they would pull always it out. Always win, yeah. They'd, they'd upset, like, Roosevelt. Or which South had Roosevelt Mike, and Southwest were always the Mike premieres. Ramsey, um, Reed Larson, <laughs> Pettigrew. Jay, Lice, Jay, Jay Larson. Larson. Yeah. Um, um, they Mike, were so Mike Kenoki, you know, all they those guys. They were so good. They were really loaded. Um, yeah. And then, or like you said, Southwest, that'd be the Lundines and... Um, we would just make stuff up. Whatever. The Lundines. Yeah. The, and then, or we did college. Like, I do remember we were the Gophers, you know, and the playing. Gopher, and the Gophers always won. They beat Gophers. Michigan Tech or, or, or the North Badgers. Dakota or the Badgers. They always right. won, yeah. And, but, but we knew players' names. We knew them and, all. And you, most of them. Yeah. Yeah, we knew enough. Repeated, I think, a lot yeah. at the same time. If you couldn't yeah. remember, you'd be like, oh, it's, you know, whatever. He'd say, it's Lundin. Over to Lundin again. and. <laughs> It's his brother, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's the other Lundin. You just make crap up. Yeah, but well, there's always a Meredith. There Meredith, was, there, was, yeah. there was so many good Southwest oh, yeah. guys. But that was our that was our circle. And then the Alms and yeah. Elms and those yeah. guys from South. But anyway, so and I remember because I was bigger and stronger. And when you were playing goalie, at least once a game, and we would play probably how many games, and we'd flip flop after each game. Yeah, and each game probably lasted fifteen twenty yeah. minutes. You'd play up to five or whatever, or you. It was up to the announcer to decide so how it was gonna end, how, yeah. when it was gonna end, and you know you had to score and then fix the fix the score and whatever. Um, but I do remember I would unload and <laughs> just fire you up right in the face, and you had this mask. And we remember we'd paint the mask. Paint the mask. There Every, was, like, there was we, a, my dad had a shop down there, so yeah. we, we could fix the sticks. We could paint the mask. We could do, oh God, you name it. We spent and we, time. We painted the mask like Jerry Cheevers or and Beretta at oh, yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah, we had, had the all. red and the white. And I don't know, we must have painted it a couple times a season. Yeah, you know? all the time. We'd, all the time. So, you know, I'd come over for a sleepover. And we'd have to. That get, was our arts and crafts. We'd, yeah, we'd Sticks get, we'd paint and pat, it, masks, and then we'd pads. probably paint it right after school. Yeah, and then we'd have to let it dry, so we couldn't go back down and play until like eight. You know, yeah, like we'd paint it at four. We just but, would go, and we'd put a fan on it or whatever. Then we'd come back, and but I remember just every now and then one of those slap shots would get away from me, <laughs> from about twenty feet away. <laughs> And just hit you right in the forehead. It's all coming back to me now. And then you'd cry. Oh, yeah. And I'd feel bad. And sometimes we'd have to go upstairs for a while until the tears dried and have yeah, some peanut was... butter toast and apple cider. That's right. That's but... right. <laughs> Speaking of making me cry, uh, we, we we can't do the podcast without. Oh, yes, this is the best one ever. This, we got to do it, right? This is great. So sixth grade, you're in seventh or se- sixth and seventh grade. Uh, we're at the lunchroom, and we're testosterone is kind of kicking in, and we loved All-Star, All-Star wrestling. wrestling. We loved All-Star mean Wrestling. Gene mean and- Gene. Mean Gene. We loved it, right? So we would ramp, be rambunctious at school, and there's probably girls involved at this point, you know, where we're showing off a little bit in front of the girls in Re- the cafeteria. Wrestling. Wrestling around. Playing right? grab ass, yeah, as yeah, they yeah, like to say. Yeah, a little bit, right? And you, I'm going to leave it from here. You put me in the sleeper hole. You go well, for and gone, you sleep your hole, Yeah, right? we, we'd probably been watching All-Star Too Wrestling much, at, right? a, at yeah. a sleepover over the weekend, and now we're at school on Monday experimenting and we start wrestling around and maybe even I said hey let me you did I like well yeah sure. turn around I'll put you in the sleeper hold yep so I put you in the sleeper hold and <laughs> I do it for a while like I don't know how long maybe it's 20 seconds and then I've just in my head I'm thinking that's probably enough 
And, and then I let go, and I'm like, that's how you do it. And I'm like yeah. trying to explain to yeah. the other kids that are gathered around, and you just are like a tree, <laughs> and you just out on your feet. Yep. And you go back, and your head hits the floor. Doesn't sound good at all. And I'm like standing over you, and I can't believe and that. you literally put me to sleep. Put, yeah, and not made you unconscious and you tipped over and hit your head on the lunchroom floor. I looked like that Buffalo protester. Did you see that on Twitter? Oh, they, it is that's what I look and, like. Yeah. That's yeah, what I look like. Laying down and bam. Is out. there blood? I don't know if it was blood, but I went to the nurse's office, but I wanted to get back to class and basically barfed all over Miss Dr. Williams room and Doc science Williams, class science. and it was ugly. For three days, it was like barfing. And and no offense, Tom, you weren't much to apologize, but for three straight days, you did my paper out. And that was the apology. I knew okay. I knew you had felt bad. I knew when you felt bad, but yeah. that was, I knew when you did the paper out that, uh, you know, it uh, was, was going to be, that something did wrong. But you didn't try to. You no, literally no, no. did not try to. No, you, no, you no. thought I would just stand there and laugh, but so, I didn't. So for you kids at home, don't try it, but if you do... Do not don't walk eat. away from the kid because he might be out. <laughs> I was out uh. cold. All right, so moving on. So we grew up. We talked a lot of West here today. I think people are going to enjoy hearing a little West Lake of the Isles talk. Um, it's up, uptown. It's it's you know, everything. We had in, it all. In, we had it all in light of the recent uprest. You know, yeah. unrest in in uptown. You went down there and checked it out. I did. I did. I and I had to go for a walk anyway because I just got my hip replaced and yeah. had to exercise it a little bit. But yeah, I thought. Um, I thought I should just go down because it's about six blocks from where we grew where up. Where we grew up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uptown is right. Yep. Uptown proper. Now, where where all the protesting and looting and the and the that memorial was about is, a mile or so is east. a mile east down Lake Street. Yep. Um, so I just went and wanted to see what it looked like. A lot of good artwork. A lot of artists were out. A lot of people were kind of. Not a lot, but they were looking around and seeing what's going on. And so yeah. it was good to do. It was good to, it's weird that that's where, you know, we grew up and spent, I know in high school, we spent a that was lot my campus because West yeah. High School was right there. Right there. West High School's two blocks from the YMCA is the, was our gym. So if anyone knows that area, but yeah, so that was my high school, you know, for a freshman year. Yeah. So, and it was, that was high school where my siblings went. So it was just growing up in that area is still, it's still home, even though it's so much different. I mean, Lake and Hennepin doesn't even resemble what it looked like when we were kids. No, it's changed, changed but it's still the same area. Yeah. Oh yeah. With the lakes and all that stuff. Um, so let's go through the, the transition from moving from, from West to Southwest. Uh, we don't spend a ton of time on it, but, uh, for me, it was the greatest thing ever because you and I, and I know it was great for you too, because we were athletic. Uh, we liked, you know, we liked sports, and there West High School did not wasn't very prominent in a lot of things. It was a smaller school; it was probably eight hundred to twelve hundred kids, so you couldn't really compete against a big suburban powerhouse like Jefferson. Even in the last game of Southwest, they they gave them a heck of a run that the last game of West over at Bloomington Ice Garden. You remember that game? Yeah. So it was we could do it, but there was wasn't a lot there, and the best sports. I was a good golfer and a decent hockey player. The best sports at Southwest were hockey and golf. They were really good at those sports. So mm-hmm. I got there. It was like heaven on earth. And all my good friends, the the Jeff Levines and Ted O'Donohue's and David, all those kids went to private schools. Mm-hmm. They all departed to Blake. So I didn't have a lot of social friends from the neighborhood. When I got to Southwest, it was just like a 
It was the greatest thing that ever happened. What about you? Yeah. Um, well, as you kind of said, like West High School, for whatever reason, was was you could see that the sports were dwindling, dwindling, and I don't know if it's just the classes were just not, didn't have as much athletes or whatever. But so my freshman year, I played varsity hockey. We had a we had a really good and team. a good team, really a good really team. good team. We we lost to Bloomington Jefferson section quarters section on Saturday quarters first. three to three one one yeah. And they went on to win the championship. Yep. So, state tournament. Nope, that was 82. They won in 81 the year before. 81 was my end of my freshman year. Pretty 82. sure. 82. 82. Well, we'll figure it out. I, did they win state? Well, you'd have to go back. I think and it was the year they before did. they won state, 81. This was 82. This was 82, 81, yeah. 82? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 81, 82 was your Who freshman Who won state year. that year? Because we lost to Jefferson that year, too. Yeah, uh, I anyway. want to say 82, who won state in 82? Yeah. I want to, maybe Dinah? 83. Was it was the the dynasty team or the 82 the was he Dinah. That was the White Bear Mariner. And then 83 was, was that the power team? 83 when was Hill Murray. Yeah, 83 was okay. Hill Murray beats okay. Burnsville. Well, we lose to Jefferson. Can give them a good fight. And they went to state. They did go to state. Yeah, they there. went to state. And... Then I knew, like, okay, well, our team's not going to be good next January. I'm glad I'm going to Southwest. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have a huge attachment to West the way right. upperclassmen had. I loved going there. It was a cool neighborhood school, but I was really all about hockey. And then, like you sort of, we've talked maybe on the social side, it was like a, a whole new, your freshman year, you're just nobody, right? Yes, like, even agreed. though even though I was on varsity hockey, it almost made it worse because, yeah. you know, I wasn't running with my classmates. Um, didn't have a driver's license. Didn't, couldn't drive, and, you know, they were off doing other other shenanigans probably that I yeah. should stay away from. And right. Anyway, no girlfriends, no social life, whatever. But get to Southwest, and now, you know, sophomore year, things start to warm up a little bit, and you've got all new friends and you had a driver's license which is a yeah. big deal because yeah because we live we, we live so side. far right. away from the school right but new new teammates right now i'm back playing football didn't play football back playing football that helps on the friend side social, social side, side yeah and then whole new girls like girls oh you've gosh. never met before never seen before never seen before which when you're 16 oh my that's gosh. a big deal it was like, a big deal for me let just, me tell you it was like wow yeah you're like never it's just like you know because you grow up with your classmates your whole life and now all of a sudden you're just thrown into a pool of all new literally half the school was brand new yeah so that was fun that yeah. was good for me and and then i knew that our hockey teams would be better we were combining teams and our football teams were pretty good and yeah we talked about it just so happened that the classes that you know, we were part of certainly what i was a part of were good athletes 84 85 I mean, 86 were some good years that's know, for sure my my class, I you know, I, Jeff Miller was a good athlete. Great Lincoln Cornell was a good athlete. Bish. And Bishop, Steve Carlson, Steve Carlson, big guys for football. Yep. Um, and you know, and then a little bit older, where there was Hubbles and yep, and there was just a lot of good. Chris May was a good hockey player. Nick Hackett was a good hockey player that I got to play with. Um, you know, not going to rattle them all off, but uh, there were a lot. We had we had good teams, and, and for what it's worth, um, we went undefeated my junior and senior year. Yep. So we didn't lose a city conference game. And at that time there were nine teams total. So there was you know, a lot, a lot of teams. I remember I was on the team the next year and then lost the record. So yeah. sorry about that. Well, 
I remember it was a big deal though. It made the front page or the the lead sports uh, uh, yeah. the, the section the, the the city conference win streak yeah. went down. Yeah, and we and we beat um, St. Paul Johnson for the Twin City Championship. That which was eighty four. Eighty four, my junior yep. year, which I've told the story before, but it's maybe the best high school hockey game I ever played in over at Aldridge Arena. Um, it was they had a big team. Dewey Wallen awesome. and Jimmy Howe. And, Surgeon. Yeah. I mean, they had some good players. Um, I'll forget. I think they had a um, Lou. No, he might have been at St. Thomas Academy. Anyway, um, great game. People hanging from the rafters. Probably tons of scouts. It was um, one of the best games ever. big high school hockey game. You know, it's classic. East versus West, you know. Yeah. On so a cool. Saturday night. And it was a back and forth we ended up winning seven to five with an empty net, but at one point we were down three to two, and so. and it was felt like a home game for them. Obviously, it seemed like they had more. And fans while I'm thinking there. of it, Johnny Walker, I think, had a big goal. In that Did he game. really? Yeah, Let's yeah. throw him. Up. You gotta get I Johnny Walker. Some that love. line, it was Wax and Vandy, Vandy and, and, and someone might be Kisters. Maybe might have been Mike. Mike Kist. I don't um, know. I think those guys scored kind of a big goal for us that night. But but me, Nick, and Chris, I think had oh, the lion's yeah, share. Yeah, but yeah. those guys. Tip tip our hat to them. They might have they might have chipped in a big goal. So good for you guys. Talk about that that line, uh, the the, the Vanderheide and Walker. They just had great chemistry. I mean, they just yeah, had not way, way big, but they had slippery. their way around the rink. I mean, they gave other teams a lot of fits. I mean, they were yeah. so fast. Yeah, they were good. They were a good support supporting um, line. Let's go to the the Hackett and May. I mean. Uh, Talk about two completely different characters. I mean, Nick Hackett is one of the most gregarious, right. crazy. You could write a book on Nick Hackettisms from oh. high school, right? I mean, just some of the stuff that he did, right? Charisma. Charisma beyond good looking, belief, everything. Silver tongue. He was like kind of Jake Ryan. I'm like, when you made the when the 16 candles, he was Jake Ryan, but with more of a personality. Good right? reference. Yeah, because Jake was a little bit of a quiet, right? He was a little bit dull. For, yeah. He was good. He was a good looking dull guy, but Nick was no Nick he was, was not dull. Life like, of the party. If he was if you were at an event with either he or Dave Newham, it was like this was the place to be right yeah. and Chris May on the other hand I think Chris would have been a lot happier just stick handling at home yeah he's quiet right he's a quiet guy and funny though very funny dry sense of humor yeah and and Chris led okay this is the interest I wanted to bring those guys up because Chris leads you to Denny his dad and, and Danny and and Mike and the whole May clan um Michelle and we? Michelle too <laughs> yeah she's your classmate yeah I went to a dance with Michelle I did um, too Opie did you yeah, yeah. Opie Sa- uh, Sadie she's now married to Sandy Smith the ex yeah, uh, UMD guy still in the game so um <laughs> So funny story about um, that group. I mean, Chris becomes almost instantly your best friend. Oh yeah, and I was and, a surrogate son for them. Yeah, and 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 what a great deal for you because Denny runs Bloomington Ice Garden. Which, well, that contributed probably to it. It was know? very. They were very convenient <laughs> friends, right? No, but again, same like you did brothers. I didn't have brothers. It was perfect. Um, we were line mates that had tons of chemistry. Really hit it off on the ice. Um, and yeah, they had a they had a, a keys to the Bloomington Ice Garden, and and it was and you you guys probably capitalized on it more. But I remember we got access, even the younger guys oh, we got access, a lot of access to that rink. And talk about Denny; he just passed away. Uh, what what does what's your recollection of Denny and what he brought to yeah. for you and, and and the May family? That's just so many good stories. Yeah, there. rest his soul. He was a just a 
sweetheart of a guy, hardworking. He went to South Central. Central. Sorry, Central. Central. Yeah. His wife Pat went to Roosevelt. Yeah. Um. But so Denny, you know, took tons of pride in in running Bloomington Ice Garden. It was very immaculate. It was well kept. Um. He was super generous. Like with you know, it. it he was one of those guys that he. would kind of chirp you and rip on you and make fun of you, but at the same time, then he'd, you know, do something amazing for you, like, that he didn't need to do, like, you know, go way out of his way, you know, to, oh, we'd end up, you know, without the key to the rink, and he'd leave his dinner plans, you know, to come out and let us in the rink. Yeah. He was at, he was at a restaurant, you know, in Uptown, and he'd drive all the way out to Bloomington to open it up for us, because he would do anything for you. Um, and, you know, and scrappy, gritty guy. But yeah, I mean, I remember sleeping over there. He'd get up, open up the rink at 6 a.m. And then he'd be home for a while and he'd go back to the rink and come home for dinner. And then he was back at the rink to close it. So, you know, he lived at that rink and, um, but he also, they had a speedboat and we'd go on Lake Minnetonka and he'd take us water skiing, you know, during the day with the brothers and yeah, the older brothers were, you know, Mike and, and Danny, they were like legends to they, me. Yeah, we were the JV. They were the varsity. <laughs> I mean, we we chased them around when we were like seniors and and freshmen in college, and they were seniors in college. Um, they were the cool guys. They were the coolest. They Dan, had all the, to me. Danny May was still still to this day one of the coolest humans on the planet at at time. Yeah, yeah. He, and he does. He's not now, and he doesn't want to be. He's sort of put that persona behind him, but. At the time, yeah, he was very cool. He was I mean, the, the outfits were cool, um, the attitudes. I mean, everything. A little bit like the outsiders. Yeah, I mean, he was the king. Like he was pony boy, whatever. Like, yeah, he was scrappy he guys. Was, yeah, he was so cool. Uh, and the fact that he played at UMD and he came, you know, one goal away from a national championship. It was, you know, I barely knew the guy at that point. But you know, later on in life, I got to know him pretty well through golf and things like that. But what a what a great family. I, I love the May family. It's just. It was, uh, yeah, they put me up a lot of nights and fed me a lot of meals. Well, it was convenient because we it, people don't understand how far away from Southwest we lived. It was a 22-minute drive with all the yeah. stop signs and stoplights to, to get over there. And, and I didn't have a car. I mean, we had a fa- we had two family cars, yeah. but I didn't always have a car. So I like I should say this, one of my um, really good friends wasn't a hockey player, Tad Kramer. Yep. Not, Tad's not <laughs> doing very well. I didn't know Tad well. would make the show, well, but he did. He's, he's not doing very well health Claude, wise. really? Yeah, Claude Kramer's got some health battles ahead of him here. But um, he drove me back and forth Everywhere. a lot. Oh, drove my God. He was my places. taxi my sophomore I, year. I probably owe that guy about $5,000 One of the nicest money. guys. Super nice. Ever. Funny, ever. had some quirks, but he had um, some, but he was super funny. Funny too, yeah. These guys could crack some good jokes. Yeah, he was a great guy. I never thought that Claude Kramer would make it in front of Joe Walker, my best friend from high school, but we'll have to get Joe in the show. Joe too. was like my little brother. Yeah. I I never had, I keep saying it about brothers. He was, but, but he was like the little he was brother like you never my had. little brother, and I took him under my wing a little bit. Yeah, for sure you did. Looked up to me at that point, which I appreciate, but yeah. Uh, Probably see him this weekend at the Indian Open if I get over there. Yeah, we were Indians, and it was great. To me, that, that, to oh, yeah. me that's one of the more special parts about us. Like, we had, we kind of, ca- you and I both kind of cashed in on that whole move over to West, and it was from, from West to Southwest was a great thing for me. Yeah. It was the best thing that ever happened yeah. to me. 
you know. We probably have to move on. Yeah, now you you move on. You win Mr. Hockey. Any any great recollections of winning Mr. Hockey? Yeah. Or did, was that really wasn't a thing though? Was well, it? Well, it was the very first one, yeah. right? So it comes a little bit out of the blue that, um, hey, there. You know, I don't know when they started announcing, but hey, there's going to be this award for the best high right. school hockey player. Right. Um, and I probably, you know, had my eyes on the prize, wanted to win it. Um, right. But I always say that the thing I remember is that um, John Mariucci was at the head table, wow. and Larry Ross was also wow. invited at the head table, who's a you know famous Eveleth coach. Yep. Um, and Herb Brooks, and Herb Brooks gave the he was like the MC. He was the yeah. Well, I wasn't the MC. He would be the guest speaker. Okay. Guess. Yeah, yeah. And then he presented me the award with the trophy and the award. He made the announcement. So, at that time, it's 1985. It's only five years removed from Miracle. So, pretty, right. Pretty cool. That is pretty cool. So you move on to to the U, and and let's be honest, your first year at the U wasn't star studded. Uh, no, big jump. What happened? Well, what happened? Going from Minneapolis Conference to the WCHA. Yeah, I like, think about it, yeah. That's a big jump. Like, I could have used a year of junior hockey. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was good. I had a lot of ability and skill, but I had no grit, no toughness. Probably, you know, I hadn't – I threw some checks in, in, in high school, you know, when I yeah. – Occasionally, if I could line a guy up and I was six – By the time I was a senior, I was six – Feet one eighty five. That was huge, which is a good size, then. right? Yeah. And I was strong, so yeah, I could, I could, you know, lay a couple guys out here and there. But when I got to college, I wasn't that strong. And and what happened was, is it just was a lot harder, and I lost my confidence. I just, you know, had never dealt with that kind of adversity. Right. I, you know, you know me growing up. When did I Ab- ever never, not score? Never. Right. Never. So I didn't have the toolbox to deal with. And then on top of it, Woog was not, <laughs> he was not being very supportive. Right. Um, and, and I was just playing like crap because I was so inside my head. I couldn't believe that, you know, I was supposed to be so good. Right. I mean, I'm coming off being drafted 16th overall. Yeah. And some people are saying this kid's going to be all American his freshman year. Right. And I, couldn't score until Christmas time, you know, and and so it was tough. I was I was struggling. It just seemed like whatever, and I watched a lot because now this time I get to watch. I'm like, oh, I get to watch him play for the Gophers, and I was just waiting for him to be Tom Chorsky, and he wasn't. And it was oh. just like, and and I'm sure all the Southwest people, all the people from the neighborhood, were like, "What's happened to Tom Chorsky?" You know. And I know that that's what's being said. Yeah, and it just makes it worse. It just kind of kept yeah. fed, feeding. And itself. in fact, the guy who was responsible for me getting drafted by Montreal in the first round, you know, he was the guy that found me and went to you know scout who goes back to Montreal and says, "You got to take this guy." Who is He's, it? His name was Neil Armstrong. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. He w- was a longtime ref. Yeah. In the NHL, and then he became a scout. And his son is um, a GM for Dallas. Really. Armstrong, or is he in St. Louis now? I don't What's know his first name. Anyway, Neil comes down to me at one point, like around Christmas time. He says, "Hey," he goes, "You're going to get me fired. <laughs> I'm going to lose my job." And I'm 18, you know, 19 years old now. And I'm stuck in the middle of a slump. Yeah. And this grown man says, you're going to cost me my job. And I was like, that was another gut punch. I was like, yeah. it made me feel worse. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't have the, I kept it to myself. You know, I didn't go home to my mom and dad and say, yeah, hey, yeah. this guy just told me he's going to get fired and then have them say, oh, it's, that's not true or, <laughs> or, you know, that's not a very nice thing for him to say to you. It's inappropriate. No, I just carried it around with me. Like just one more thing on top of slumping and not scoring was this guy telling me that. He was, and I, I don't know, maybe he was half joking, but it was. And that team wasn't very good. That, that 84, 85, 86 team wasn't. Eh, we were all right. Okay, but next year things started to turn. Well, right? we went to the Frozen Four. In 85, 86? Yeah. Oh, you did? Okay. Out, out to Providence. Okay, I mean, so that was a good team. Sorry. Pat, you know, second leading scorer of all time, Pat Of Micheletti, all time. Pat Micheletti. Yeah. Behind, so he was there. Wally Chapman, Corey Millen. Um Tony Kellen on defense. I'm trying to think who else. You know, Steve McSwain was there still, I think. Um, he was there the next year, too. And we had Frank Peter Angelo in goal, the man with three first names. Yeah. And uh, Johnny Blue. <laughs> um, Vita, we called him. And uh, so we were pretty good. We went out to Providence, and we lost in the quarters, I think, and and didn't play for the championship. But right. Yeah, we were all okay. right. Um. Then the next year, Todd Richards, Dave Snuggerud. Sorry, I'm, yo, I'm Snuggie, now, Snuggie had a really good yeah, career. Dornfeld and Jay Cates had come in with the same class as me. Marty Nanny was yeah. my roommate, which that's a whole Another podcast story. in itself. Yeah, right, but we won't go there. I want to know how you got out of the slump. What What, what was the you. turning point? I did you go to like Olympic festival or something? No, I went to the World Juniors. That, so that that same winter. Yeah, that was the year I made the World Junior Tournament, and it okay. was up in Canada. And so now I I leave you know a, behind me a slump, and I get to go put it's on clean slate, right? put on the USA jersey first time ever, right? And I'm playing with all the best nineteen, twenty right. year olds in the country. You know, I'm Mike Richter's our goalie, and Brian Leach, and right, um, Craig Janney, and Scott Young, and. You know, I'm thinking Dornbach, Greg Dornbach was on the team and Paul Ranheim and really like, you know, a lot of good players from around both from Minnesota and from around the country. And so I use that as a sort of a fresh start and feel good about being on this team, you know, and getting away from that bad environment. And then when I went back, I wasn't great, but I was better. I, I scored, you know, in the second half of the season and was started contributing. And then and then the next year, I think I. I got to 20 goals in my sophomore year. So, I mean, look here. Um, yes, you did. 20 goals, 22 assists. Yeah. So, big, big turnaround from yeah. freshman year to sophomore year. I remember the 88 and 89 year. I, I, I believe you weren't even an All American that year. I, that was one of the, that, that was when you really became Tom well, Tversky. I came back from the Olympic, Olympic team. I'd gotten cut. Yeah. Um, and I had a lot to prove in a way, but I had also, felt like I'd convinced myself mentally that hey, I just came back from touring the world, frankly, and, uh, playing hockey and yeah. playing with all the best. And I know I'm a good player. I mean, I even, um, you know, that sophomore year was good. And and I was getting enough accolades on my ability you know, right. to skate. Um, and so I came back with a lot of confidence. That yeah, I was going to be good, and unfortunately, that junior year, um, about three weeks into the season or so, you'd have to go back and look. But I blew out my shoulder; I dislocated Is it. Is this in the eighty-eight, eighty-nine year? 
Yeah, after my last, the Olympics. Yeah. Well, we'll get to the Olympics. We'll get to that okay. one in just a second. So let's just get 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 to the Olympic year. Um, now you've played two years of college, and you're you you make the Olympic team. You make the Olympic roster. What month was that? Like technically, August? it's the national team. Is that what it is the national team? Yeah, because you're not in the Olympics yet. It's the okay. So you the make na- the national team roster. Right. Um, was that August? Yeah. September. Yeah. Over the summer, probably tried out in July. Made the team in July. The, the big roster. And there's 23 guys? Uh, no, originally it's like 28. 28, okay. All right. Um, and then you come back in early August, and I think we jumped on a plane, and we were made a train in Lake Placid for a week, and then we got on a plane and went over to Europe. And we Was tra- Dave Peterson the coach? Yes. Oh, he's the guy who cut you? Yes. From my the typing. E- my the East Wing typing my teacher. My Southwest typing coach, <laughs> who I thought for sure would know. I knew he was going to cut me, and you know we could get to that point. But um, yeah, to start it all off, I made the team, and we went to Europe, and then we came back, and we toured. Um, we toured in the fall. We toured and played like nine or ten NHL teams. Really, during their exhibition season. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, yeah. exhibition. So it's their, yeah. it's their, it's their AHL their trial NHL. camp. Yeah, you know, still we, good we were, teams. Oh, right? no, yeah, and some of them we were playing, in, you know, against NHL. Stars that we had idolized and playing now we're playing yeah. against them, and yeah, we're a bunch of snot-nosed college Americans. So yeah, um, they they didn't think that kindly of us, you know, if they no. were Canadian or whatever. But it was cool to play against the Red Wings and the North Stars and all that. But um, and then we also after that we then when colleges started up, our next round of exhibition games was against all the colleges. So we, I bet you drum those guys pretty oh, good, right? Yeah, we. We we didn't have any trouble, you know. We had the best college players in the country. And, and so. you're, you have the best college players in the country, and you've been playing together a lot longer than these college than they teams. Have. They yeah. were out of shape yeah. probably, yeah. right? We had, we had a bunch of first-rounders. I mean, and I'm not really even counting myself, but Brian Leach, yeah, Craig, Craig Janney, Janney, Scott Young, um, Mike Richter, and Chris Terreri were our goaltenders. Um, Dave Snuggerud. Um, early on, Todd Richards was there. Same with Paul Ranheim. Um, who else was uh, kind of impressive? Oh, my, I can't leave out my buddy, Greg Brown, who coached at BC. Corey for a long was time. on the team, too. Corey Millen was on yep. the team. Todd Okerlund was on that on the Olympic team. Um, Kevin Stevens, who had a really good NHL career <laughs> yeah. with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, Eric Weinrich, another. Yeah, he was played, a devil, right? Yeah. And he, played a thousand games he yeah was a devil for a while but he played a lot of other teams but i think he played a thousand games so um you know the eventual nhl players so right we, we were didn't do much in the olympics no 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 um i was i, I wasn't I on the team i so. didn't watch much i got i just completely lost interest once you got cut so good no. so what happened so like walk through you you said earlier i knew he was gonna cut well me. because again i got you? into a slump again yeah. And I, I lost my confidence, and I really was pressing because that window's closing, right? Yeah. Like you get past Christmas, and you're in January, and you know, like, we already had to cut down. We cut down from 28 to 25, and we knew it. You knew you had to cut down to 23. Yep. Just like you're watching the movie kind of deal. Right, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Ralph Cox, so, um, or Herb Brooks. Um, and you just, you know that date's out there. You look on the calendar and you go, our last exhibition game is in Denver on January 28th. And after that game, 
you know that two people are going to get let go. Yeah. And it's, or sooner, right? Yeah, but at that point they're they're going to ride it out. Right. Although I really I probably would wish they would have surprised me earlier and just because it was it worse. It was like Were you in Calgary or were you in Denver when you got We cut? were in Denver um, okay. when it happened. But you had a passport, you had a ticket and everything, didn't you? Oh yeah. For the Olympics? Yeah, but so they cut me and I went home and then for whatever reason at the time, maybe they figured at the time we're not going to offer them this deal, but for whatever it's worth, they call me back and they go, "Hey, if you want to go up to the Olympics, we've got, we'll take care of it. We get, well, you'll get tickets to whatever you want, and you can come to come to the games if you want." Um, but they put me up in hotel, and and I said yes, partly because I was just gonna make. Because if you're not playing, it's a big party, right? Like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's fun to go to Calgary during the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. And I had a bunch of friends going, and you know, guys like. Keith O'Brien was going to be there because his best friend from college is from Calgary. And so Obi's our old band coach, coach yep, and high yep. school coach. So he was going to be there and we did some funny stuff with him. I could tell you about with, we, he had one of those old, big old, big old what, with VCR a microphone on it. Yeah. With the, put the full size beta tape, beta or, tape or whatever <laughs> in there. And so he had one of those and we went around to different um, facilities or whatever events. Interviewed people. Interviewed them. And yeah. we told them we were like, shh, we're undercover. We're with we're with David Letterman. We're with the Letterman show. <laughs> and these guys would be like, really? And they got their ice pick, and they were like, hey, Dave, good to see you. We'd interview them, and and then we'd also interview fans. You know, people that were just drunk in so the streets. So you did go. So I decided you go, to go. You didn't go back to Minneapolis and feel sorry for yourself. Well, I didn't go right away. I went back to Minneapolis and okay. cried my eyes out for yep. a couple of days and felt like I had let. That's a good idea, down. going there. And then they, they call, and they're like, hey, if you want to go, you can go. And so I was like, okay, I'll go. Yeah. And maybe I called, like, Corey Millen. He's like, well, yeah, my, you know, Terry, my his best friend, Terry, who, and I lived with Corey yeah. be, the year before. So I knew Terry, and Terry had lived with us. And he's like, Terry's going to be there with his girl, and, you know, one, she's with Coca-Cola. They got a whole bunch of fun stuff to do with Coca-Cola. So right. So I went up and hung out with them for a while, and then Obi got there. And so, I don't know, I had... I made the best of it. Anyway. That's pretty cool. That's I wasn't going to cool. go back and play and use up a year of my eligibility. You did consider it, though, didn't you? I think, well, you know, after the Olympics, you know, Snuggy could have come back and, yeah. and I could have come back. There was still time. When, after the Olympics, we came back. I remember Gophers were playing in the playoffs. Yeah. And Eric Weinrich had gone in. To, he was playing for Maine, and they were playing Maine. And Snuggy and I weren't playing. We were watching it. But um, I don't think Woog, Woog didn't ask us to come back. Okay. Got it. I don't think he wanted to disrupt chemistry and play that much and stuff. And they were still pretty good. So anyway, that's that, I guess. Um, yeah, I got caught and I knew it was coming. And um, I never knew that part. Oh, I packed my bag after the last game and put it under the bus. And everyone else's bag was like, who was the other guy? Brad Jones. Okay. Played I don't at, know who that is. Played at Michigan. Okay. He played a little in the NHL after. What that. was Dave Peterson like? Did he did he speak to you or did he just did they have someone else dispatch you? No, he talked to me. Um, and it was almost like in miracle, you know. Really? I'm in my hotel room. You get the phone call. rings. It's Dave Peterson. He says, "Tommy, can you come up and see me?" Go into his room, and I don't remember it verbatim and word for word. I just knew it was coming, and. I'm sure he could see it on my face. I might have even said, I know, or whatever. 
And he knew too because I had packed my bag and brought it back to the room. Yeah. And he's like, I, I know you know, he's right? He's like, I heard you packed your bag. You know, he's like, I, you know, I'm sorry it didn't work out. He really, you know, he he wanted it to work out. He really oh, liked for sure me. He did. He yeah. really liked me. In fact, to be honest, when he cut like Paul Ranheim, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> That guy's good. Yeah. Like he can play, and he just let him go. But, you know, it wasn't because he couldn't play. I think he just, just didn't for, fit, right? Yeah, he didn't fit, or, you know, he's just whatever. You Trying know, to got make a bunch it of, fit. Got a bunch of right-handed guys, and he's right-handed, and they just chose to let him go. So I'm actually saying that in, as a, I'm tipping my hat to Paul Ranheim. He right. played over 1,000 games, oh. and he was a good hockey player. So um, I even, you know, I had enough self-awareness, like, I mean, I'm pretty good, and I want to make this team, but they just let a really good hockey player go. Yeah, you know? yeah, there were a lot of great uh, players, uh, Americans back then. I still don't know how we didn't do better. Just you, sometimes you just got to get the breaks, right? And sometimes you don't make the chemistry right. And he found the chemistry later. Dave Peterson did, coaching the Olympics. They had some good yeah, had a good run. It's a short it was, tournament, and it's tough. There were some really good European teams and players then. The Canada that was, was good. Is that the unified team, the 88 team, where they had – Everybody, I think they won the gold that year. I yeah, think they did. It was that wasn't close. No, I believe it wasn't close. There was the Russians were whatever no. you call. It. I think they were called the unified team because the the maybe the, the block had come down, come the down. wall had come down. Yeah. So. All right, uh, we we're, we're past the Olympic dream. You come back. Uh, this is the year. This is the team. I mean, if the the the, the Hercus Circus team in eighty six eighty seven was special. I think this team was was as good as it gets. I mean, it was a loaded. We were deep. That was a loaded team. We eighty eighty nine. Um, so many great players. I think both Hankinsons were on the team. A lot of right? chemistry. Both yeah, Hankinsons, I mean, right? Peter played with uh, Snuggerud, and I don't remember who else their line mate was. Um, I was playing with Jason Miller and Grant Bischoff. Which I thought was such a weird line. I mean, th those were guys good, were though. it was no. I mean, I, mean, yeah. I, I was so used to you having, you know, some flash, and those two guys were not flashy at all. No, Jason certainly wasn't, but he was a passer. Great, was, you know, great, great. Bish, Bish was finishing too, and so we scored a lot of points. Um, and we had Todd Richards, who was really good on the blue line. You know, Scarda, Pitlick, Stauber, and Nat. Tommy Peterson was on that team. You mentioned both Hankinsons. Um, our fourth line was like Strote and um, Anderson. Those guys were good too. How good a tournament! I mean, I think in the Ken Janander was on that team. I yeah, think, as a youngster, yep. I think that uh, Johnny Anderson had like two or three huge goals. It was either in the semifinal or in the championship we, game. We thumped Maine in the quarterfinal or semifinal. Yeah, game, and he had a good game that game, and I think even. Against Maybe Harvard, the championship game, yeah, he might have had a goal against Harvard too. And he was fourth line, yeah. You know? But but we were rolling four lines, or they were getting you pretty good to. shift. Yeah, um, yeah, we needed to because you might not remember, but we played Friday night and Saturday night. Harvard played Play Thursday, Thursday. It was so they so got stupid. They got the extra rest, um, and they were just good enough that I think that helped them for yeah, sure. For sure, you know. They had the Hobie Baker winner, Lane McDonald, who was, you know, fabulous. player. Alan Bourbeau and I think Donato was on that team. Um, and Crowley, and they, they had a good team. It Al had to have been a Crayer really hard – I mean, it was a horribly difficult loss for me as oh. a stupid fan. I mean, I just was crushed. that. 
we thought we were going to win it for sure. It's in St. Paul. We're rolling. We had had a great year. We had, you know, returning Olympians. Um, yeah. We had All-Americans. Stauber had won the Hobie Baker the year, year before. before. You know, it's in our backyard, and we just feel like this is our time. It's finally Woog's going to win it. And, and, you know, and unfortunately, that could have been – we might have been a little overconfident, and we were probably a little tired, more tired than they were. Yep. Um, they were the – sleepy little underdog who was out on the road and no one probably gave him quite enough. Yeah. They had Lane McDonald who was yeah, a, 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 just a wonderful skater and player. Um, he had been on the Olympic team too. Yeah. Cause I remember him reading books, you know, we're just <laughs> jackass. So he was a true Harvard guy. He was a true Harvard guy. Yeah. He's a brilliant, smart, like intellectual yeah. guy. He's kind of a whiz Wyatt. Yeah. To be honest. Um, so yeah, that one slips away. Everyone hears, you know, everyone talks about the post, the clank. Yep. They they don't always remember who it was. Randy Scarta. Sometimes it's Pitlick, and then if they meet me, they're like, ah, "I remember when you hit the post." I'm like, <laughs> I think I, it was Scarta. It wasn't was Scarta. It was Scarta, Scarta hit what? the post, and then Peter Hankinson had did something in that game too. I think he got robbed too. He was such a yeah, he's one he of the was, most unheralded gophers of all time. Right, and I top I've, five most unheralded. And I've also so said good. if if he was playing in today's game, like, yeah, he could play in the NHL probably. I think you're right because he was that of, talented. because of no hooking, no slashing. You know, it's it's not a checking game much. I mean, still some hitting, but you don't have to. You know, whereas before in the era when I grew up, it was like you got to finish your check. You know, and if you're big and strong, they want you to just you know fight if you can or will and just sticks in between legs and and just rough and tough and tumble and gut it out and let them know you're there you know yeah kinda yeah, yeah yeah cross checks and everything got was let go and so for him to try and go play pro hockey at that point i don't even know if he went did he, he tried one he one played year? one year and he put up some numbers i think he played for the he uh was winnipeg rights winnipeg rights and he played down in the ihl for the uh i can't think of it right now Kansas City. No, it wasn't Kansas City. Anyway, so, yeah, good team. Really unfortunate loss. Heartbreaker for Gopher fans, Gopher players. Um, <laughs> for scarred. me, you know, for me, it's like cut from the Olympic team, and then 18 months later, less than that, probably a year later, yeah. you know, lose the national championship in overtime. Um, and I was on the ice, I think, when, when they happened. scored. I think so, yeah. Hate to admit it, but it was a trickler, you know. Just yeah, you knew half, it was going to be half that a way. backhand that had eyes, and Stauber couldn't see it, so he drops. And right when he's dropping, the the puck went through his legs. legs. Yeah. His legs just trickled, barely hit the back of the net. Yeah, but it was in. So, all right. So now you become now that now it's over. You become a pro hockey player. What are your first memories of? You know, buying this, my first this is car. A job. Oh, was it? That what it is? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. What was it? What kind of car? It was a Chevy S10 Blazer, like a kind of a smaller, yeah, little smaller Blazer, which nowadays would be, I don't know, kind of like the car you had. You had a like a small SUV, right? Like I don't know, like a, like the, the Toyota Highlander. Yeah, that one kind of yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But right. anyway, it was just, so I remember I I signed my contract and. Couple days later, I so get did a check. You sign your contract in March that year and go play. No, or did you uh, play the no. next fall? The next fall. Okay, all right, yeah. yeah. I, over the summer, I contemplated because I had another year to go back. Yeah, I could have went back again. Yeah, but 
I had been out of high school for four years, and I was old for my, you know, I was kind of one of those holdback kids yep. anyway, so I was getting pretty old, and I was in a first-round draft pick. I'm like, it's just time. And yep. they were like, yeah, it's time, because we've had players that we drafted after you that are already playing, playing kind of yeah. thing. So, um, yeah, I get my signing bonus, $60,000 check, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, but go and spend... 25 of it on a new car or something like that. 23,000 maybe. Yeah. 18. I don't know. It was, wasn't around in that area, but so that was pretty cool for me to make money playing hockey. Now your dream come true. And, um, and then I get up to Montreal, made the team right away. Cause I was, I was all full of, you know, piss and vinegar and all right. fired up and I should have known I wasn't going to last long because they gave me number 31. That should have been, remember my, that. Should have been like, my first clue. I mean, I remember feeling kind of dumb, but then I also was like, just just suck it up. You're playing for the Montreal Canadiens, and if this is what they want to the do. Forum. I mean, yeah, right? yeah, in the forum, don't complain because if I would have <laughs> opened my mouth, you know, then for sure I'm probably going to go straight to the minors, but right. at least they gave me like 15 games until they flushed me. But – um Scored, you know, my first goal um, in the forum against the Bruins. Slap shot coming down the right wing. Kind of one of my prototypical shots. Yep. I Crowd go crazy. I think from a pass from Bobby Smith. Oh, that's cool. And Matt's Nasland. Um, so crowd go crazy. First round pick, though. The Great White Hope is going to come save uh, the franchise. The, do you think the American, that cheer? Um, or do they not like Americans? No, no. I mean... They liked you if you played well and scored. I yeah. mean, in Montreal, it's like you're on the front page if you win and you're on the front page if you lose. lose. It's a big story either way. And the, yeah. the press is going to make it a big story either no matter what. And if you lose, it's like it, the world might come, come to, to an, an end, end tomorrow. And, and if you win, it's all great. So, But it was cool, right, because Chris Chelios was our captain. Um, Patrick Waugh, I was just talking about playing in front of him and what a you know competitor he was and how good he was and he wouldn't let in practice you know if you got one past him he'd turn around and scoop it out there was never pucks in his net <laughs> never same thing with Marty Brodeur in, in New Jersey like Isn't that the, weird the best goalies are like f you that ain't that was never in there I never saw it never yeah you you can't prove it yeah it's not in there they <laughs> when the drills got done their nets were empty like they did not let really? pucks stay in there. And I tell young goalies when I'm coaching them, because if I yeah. get down to the end of a you know, rink at the end of a drill and there's like 18 pucks in there, I'm like, hey, hey buddy, uh-uh. Get them out. You, that, you cannot be okay it's with a that. bad mindset. You, gotta, you cannot be okay with that. So, yeah. so It's probably they don't want to – it's bad juju, right? Yeah. Or, or the, yeah, they just – whatever. It's a reminder so they competitive. just let 18 yeah. in, Yeah, right? they don't want to know how many they let in. Right. So they're Zero. Just, they're just not even looking. They're just getting them out of there. Um, and I told you before, I mean, the other thing that was kind of a story was getting um, – Initiated? Initiated, yeah. So – you kind of know it's coming the day, like, they're not even, like, in college, I got sneak attacked a little bit, but yeah. we won't go back to that. But um, in, in we knew, like, today's the day kind of a thing in, in Montreal, and, and Stéphane LeBeau went first, good good little, f- you know, French-Canadian forward, and, and I'm sure, like, Chelios and Courtnell and Keane and Gilchrist and all these American, there's, like, Anglo, and then there's French-Canadian. French and the Anglos... 
even though we were all teammates and at the end of the day everyone was getting along with them but the anglos were, went a little harder on stuff than the french guys i think yeah because then when i went next oh i got it good but and i don't i think i was blindfolded so you don't really know oh really yeah you don't know who's doing what and they've got like warm water in um water bottles and they're they're spraying it and guys you know someone's going oh don't pee on them don't do that no and you're and you're blindfolded and you're you don't know and you're hoping that that that's not what's going on but and then all of a sudden i heard spray paint they spray painted like my nipples and chest and and up and down your legs and then they maybe shaved some racing stripes and and then i remember what they did was they shaved my head with the blindfold on from above the Oh, so no. I had a mullet below <laughs> and bald on top. And I kept it for a day thinking that maybe this is just better. And then I came to my senses and I was like, no, that's time to go. That looks so horrible. you had a full shaved head. Yeah. Like ping pong ball. Well, not there was a little stubble, a little stubble, you oh, know, whatever the, the number one yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. guide or whatever. But um, yeah, so and a lot then, of baseball hat. Weeks of baseball. Yeah, right? when you weren't, you know, going to games. And maybe you could wear a baseball hat to a game. But, no, I was just – once your shaved head, it was it was kind of a rite of passage. Yeah. And it was okay. And, again, I'm playing for the Montreal Canadiens. I can I can suck, suck it, up. it up for this time. Um, But rubbing that spray paint off the nipples with the with alcohol. The alcohol rub, yeah, that wasn't fun. No. Um, But then, you know, then move on and – um. I get sent to the miners, and now I'm down in Sherbrooke. And actually, where is Sherbrooke? That's it's south. Okay, all right. So it's right above Vermont and below Montreal. Okay, yeah, that's kind of the path. Um, so, you know, had the taste of the big time in the show. Now you're in the now AHL. I'm down right? in the AHL and riding the bus, and it's a whole different deal. You know, at that time too, in '88, um, fighting is still a thing, especially in the minors. Fortunately, I played on a team with about five really good, fighters. really tough guys. So, like, and at that time, fighters need to fight like pretty regularly. And if because if they don't, if they stop fighting, that's like a goal scorer not, not scoring. scoring. Yeah, yeah. So if if I want to get in a fight, I really gotta want to get in a fight, and I gotta go looking for it early because those guys are gonna line up their fights. Right. So it's almost like dates, right? It's like get in line. Yeah. You know? It's like there's only so many guys in the other team to go around. And and once once there's been three fights, the other team is like, all right, we're done. We're done, we're done yeah, with yeah. that fiasco. And we had all these tough guys. So um, I wasn't fighting much, which was good. And, and I was a first-round pick, and they felt like they were supposed to protect me anyway. But being 6-1, and you do have to prove yourself once in a while, and otherwise your teammates think you're soft you're soft, and, and afraid and have no so courage. So did you fight, by the, not in, the, in those first few games in the Montreal? Yeah, I got in a fight. It's kind of a good story. I got in a fight um, the first month. We were playing Boston, not the game I scored. It might have even been an exhibition game. And every I, I, every shift or my first period, every time I was out there, someone was cross-checking me. Or I remember going to the front of the net and trying to, you know, be net front presence because right. you got to go to the net and yep. block the goalie's eyes or whatever. And at that time, 
it was if you're going to go to the front of the net, you got to pay the price. And the you're rest, you're going to get a stick. You're going to get a, You're going to get a cross check in the back and a slash in the ankle or the back of the knee or thigh, yep. you know, back of the calf. You might get a stinky glove in the face. Yep. Um, you could get an accidental elbow to the chin. And you're you know. without face mask, right? Yeah, no yeah. face mask. Yep. And so this goes on two or three times. Um, and I'm just thinking, hey, it's this is the NHL, and I go to the front of the net. I got to pay the price. They're going to mess. They're going to mess with me. Well, after about the fifth or sixth time this happens, or whatever, fourth time, um, one of the veterans calls me down to sit on down the bench. On the bench. Yeah. And he goes, "Hey, he goes, you can't let him abuse you anymore." And I'm looking at him. And he goes, "If you take it now, you'll take it your whole career." Really? He goes, you got to go do something. Do you remember something. who that was? Brian Scrudland. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So he goes, you, he goes, you got to go do something. So like the next shift out, I'm going, puck goes in the corner, battle for the puck, you know, and the puck leaves, and I'm still standing next to the defenseman. And I didn't, I was too dumb to really pick my spot. But anyway, so I, I give the the guy a little shot, and then you look at him, right? You give him the eye, and he goes, you want to? <laughs> and I'm like, without even answering, I just like gloves fly off, and I don't really know what I'm doing, but I grab on. And I'm strong enough to grab on, and he never really got free. And you, who is who was the player? Was, well, he ended up being pretty tough guy, and he was pretty young then too. But he was he had played more in the NHL, I think, a little bit longer than me. But Stefan Kintel, okay, and he ended up being like the commissioner of um of the NHL a couple of years ago. He was doing the uh, Reprimanding, yeah, the reprimand, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do they call that? The God, what are those guys? Director of of discipline, discipline guy, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, well, Shanahan, good did guy, it, right? yeah, good guy. Uh, I never really knew him, but when we got done, you know, he probably knew that I was just trying to break out. Yeah, right? I was just trying to, you know, get my fight in, and because I remember he kind of tapped me on the pants and he goes, "Hey, good job, bud." <laughs> you know, and those guys loved it. And I'll tell you this: after you fought, and I didn't do it very much, but as long as you're okay, it, you're kind of like fired up. Your adrenaline's going. It's oh, like yeah. a freebie. Like now, if you get in a f- street fight, you know you could get arrested. Right. You know, someone might. You know, you're not going to get knifed, and you know you might take one on the chin. But it's kind of exhilarating when you get in a fight. Your adrenaline gets going, and and you're like, eh, I'm not dead. You know, that was kind of cool. And I should have done it more because I probably would have made more money and right. played longer but who knows it what happened in my nature though, right? but yeah and there was another time another time uh, the next year I was playing for for Montreal and and I was not one of Pat Burns favorite guys I was still an American college kid and he liked Canadian gritty OHL guys yeah right? tough yeah. guys and and he was a little French Canadian so he probably liked some French guys too whatever and I and I'm not saying that negative against Pat because later on in my career when we crossed paths again when I was doing radio he was super respectful me of me you know yeah. he was said some nice things and stuff like but at the time I just I wasn't any good to him and he wasn't going to take the time to teach me he didn't he wasn't a good hockey teacher he could coach the system and right. discipline and all that but we're in Vancouver and I'm not playing very much and I know like well maybe if I go out and fight I'll, I'll earn his respect a little more and so I'm like, screw it. I'm going to, I didn't feel like fighting. I wasn't even that mad. I just yeah. was doing it because, and that's not a good reason. It's, it's not a, it's not a good way to go into a fight when you're not that mad yeah. at the guys or not that good at it either. So there's a player on the other team and his name is Gary Volk. 
and he knew him because he played for North Dakota. I was gonna say that, yeah. And I'm thinking, well, what better guy to? Cream, uh, yeah, right? I mean, I'll, you know, North Dakota probably don't like that guy anyway. Plus, he's a college guy; like, he's probably hasn't fought a lot. Right? Not th- yeah, he's probably not as tough as Gino Ojic, <laughs> who's his line mate, who we were going to talk about too. Yes. So I go and pick a fight with him. Well, it turns out, you know, he's a Canadian kid, grew up fighting as a teenager. You know, he went off and played college hockey, but I didn't know all this, so he's a yeah. pretty tough guy. And he got loose on me, and he starts wailing on my head. And I don't remember any blood, no black eyes or broken noses, but he hit me in my head enough times that I went to the penalty box, and by the time I came out, I was concussed. And I the whistle blows, and I'm trying to go back to the bench, and I'm kind of confused on which bench to go to. But I get to the bench, and no one knows that I'm concussed. So I get rewarded for the fight, right? It's probably all your guys are like, yeah, oh, well, oh, I'm going to get a shift too. Oh, so yeah. Bernsey's going to put me out there now for a shift. Cause I just went and got in a fight Well, I go out there. I'm skating around. My glove flies off. I don't know it. I don't, I'm the play. I'm not I'm clearly not engaged in where yeah. I should be. I'm kind of in the area of the puck, but yeah. And so right away I'm at the end of the bench and probably five to seven minutes later, the game's over and now we're in the shower and Long story short, after I shower, which apparently was a cold shower, guys are like, Chor's shower is ice cold, and he doesn't know it. Yeah. And then I'm getting dressed, and I put my T-shirt on over my dress shirt. So I was getting dressed Oh, my. Backwards. Was serious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and then they're like, okay, trainer, you know, look at this guy. He's got one sock on, and both his shoes are on the wrong feet and his t-shirts on over his dress shirt. Yeah. And I, but I could talk and I was like, I'm looking at myself. I'm like, I know I, I, this is messed up. I know it is, but I don't know what I'm doing or whatever. So they take me to the emergency room in Vancouver and diagnose me with a concussion and send me back to the hotel room. Tell my roommate to watch me. What do you think he does? He goes to the bar and yeah. I lay there and puke all night in the garbage can. So this is like me and Dr. Williams is, well, yeah, Class, I mean, it's just right? like, yeah, the, wasn't the right protocol at the time. I'll say that, but, um, you know, I, I guess I came through it, but that was, that was the fight that, you know, didn't go that well. And yeah. And I got my noggin, you know, my bell rung pretty bad. So the Canadians, at, at some point you mentioned some, you know, problems with, with peppers. How do you ask for a trade yeah and literally like is it the agent who asked for the yeah, trade? yeah it's the reason for having an agent so i right. you know after that who was your agent at the time it was um um simon um i can't think he was like neil broughton's and kent herbeck's and paul molitor's um heck's his first name bob simon that was Bob Stein. But Bob Stein. Was he an agent, too? He was too? kind of an agent, but he was a football okay. executive. Ron Simon. Ron Simon. Which, sorry. Yep, that's um, right. So, Ron, um, I think after that season, in the off season, I think we had him send a message that, you know, I wanted to be traded. Or maybe it was even when I got back to training camp. And all of a sudden, you know, I got um, called up to uh, Sir Savard. He was the GM, legend, right? Yeah, legend, yeah. you know, Montreal Canadian defenseman. And he was the GM and and he really he really um I guess answered, you know, the plea or whatever. He appeased my my wishes. He said, "Yep, we've we've made a trade." Um 
and it ended up being me and Stefan Riche for that. for Kirk Muller. Um and Roland Melanson too, which was he was a goal, so Mo- backup. Melly came to, to the yeah. Kirk Muller went to Montreal, and me and Stefan Riche went to New Jersey. And so, you know, fresh start for me. I think it's a good trade for both teams. It ended up being a good trade. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Muller delivered them a Stanley Cup probably two years later. Yep. Um, and was a captain for them and really good, you know. Great, great trade for yeah, them. Good player for them. And, and, and Riche played a lot for Rush. Yeah, Steph was a good player, and both he and I were pretty productive, you know, right. for the Devils, and we ended up winning a Stanley Cup um, four years later with the Devils. So it ended up being a good trade for both. Um, it was certainly good for me to get a fresh start. felt good to be in the U.S., although going to New Jersey was – a little different. They weren't very I mean, good at first, not, right? No, we were kind of middle of the pack, and you know, it was a. You were still green and culture red, right? shock. Yeah, we wore the green pants. We were like Christmas tree guys, yeah. and yeah, they made fun of us, and st- or some did. You know, when it went to that. black, and that was all that. Remember, it was kind of a cultural thing. Remember everything. Oh, yeah. Remember the Raiders were black and gold. Yeah, black. Adding then, black to your uniform was a big deal. It was big for the the sales of of apparel. Yeah, it was and a big remember deal. the the philosophy was it made your team more aggressive. Too, right. And it was the right thing because those green breezers had seen their better day. Better day, and you know they got faded pretty fast, and they just looked like. Awful. Garbage. No offense. We won't mention the home team. Our home team that wears green breezers, too. I'm not oh, a fan. Maybe of it's. Not a fan. Yeah. They can't well, match. Nothing matches that green breezer. Just, you can't. Theirs seem newer and cleaner than ours did. Oh, ours way. Like they yeah. Were, they were. Theirs seem fresh anyway. But, so, yeah, go to New Jersey, and that's where a lot of the magic good things happens. starts happening. It took a little time, and. And I watched it evolve, and I've I've told you a little what bit about. Did the, the, the they come in? Did Larry Robinson and Jacqueline? So come my in? first year was um, a really um, funny and, and 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 great coach. Was Schoenfeld there? No, he, remember that guy? Yeah, he had he had been the there. Suspenders. And, <laughs> yeah, and he had, jerk. He was yeah, and he called Ron Koharski like fat pig or something you'd get a donut and <laughs> they got in that big fight yeah in the was, hallway yeah that was kind of the big Who story was before for New Jersey. jock and larry so um tommy mcvee and okay. he was a really old school guy but i got traded there and he kind of embraced me i'm gonna i'm gonna help you and he had this deep gruffy voice and told jokes before every practice and but he was he was you know a disciplinarian and he was hard and serious but he was an old hockey guy like yeah and he was a pretty much a player's coach and so he gave me a really good chance to play and I later found out that and I did well right away like my very first NHL game with them I think had a goal and two assists uh so a three-point game like right off the bat yeah I was off and rolling and and I found out later that there was really no guarantee like Lou Lamorello traded for me, and he was going to give me a chance, but it wasn't for sure. Like I could have ended up back in the minors. I was right. kind of yeah, still yeah. was kind of teetering. teetering. But uh, fortunately, I took advantage of the opportunity and and uh, made it made it go. And then um, we got like Randy. How long was Lou there? Before? Forever. No, I know oh. that. But but was he? Did he just take over the team? And had Tommy as his coach, or no, no, he had been there. He had been the GM for a few years. Okay, and he had had Schoenfeld and oh, so he John Conniff okay. and and then Tommy McVie and maybe even another coach in there. I don't know, but um, and then the next year, Tommy 
got fired and Herb Brooks comes in. So now I had Herb Brooks as a coach. Yeah. And he had been in our farm system the year and then before. Then you had Herb Brooks again later, like in, in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, so I had him twice. but um, And it wasn't a great year, but our team got a little better. I didn't even play much for Herb. I mean, I, I got scratched probably 15 games by Herb Brooks. Right. And that was a tough thing, too. And he was hard on me. And and he said some things to you, I believe. I think this must have been in the Gorg podcast I learned this. Sorry. To, yeah. Right? It was in your podcast with Gorg? Yeah. Or, right? Probably. And it said, somewhere I, I heard this, but it was like like he remembered watching you in high school. Cause well, Danny, he made a comment right? to right? me. Right? Because Danny... His son yeah. was, was played in that yeah. St. Thomas game. Right. So the story there is very first practice of of our season, Herb Which Brooks. Is, this is a total Herb Brooks, right? Yep. Total Herb Brooks. I'm skating around. I'm all fired up. I'm like, I can't believe Herb, Herb Brooks, Brooks is, my our, coach. is my you're, coach. You're jacked, right? I'm jacked. I'm like, I can skate like the wind, and he likes skaters, and and I'll do anything for this guy, and it's going to be awesome. You He's know? American. Yeah. Right? I was like, the whole and, deal. And, and all my you know teammates, all my non-American teammates – Especially the you know Canadian guys, they're like they don't care. They're like, eh, college coach guy, blah blah blah. And you both got cut from the Olympics. I mean, well, like yeah, you no, got this like this we're Minnesotans or whatever. This but anyway, great, right? skates up to me, looks at me, and he said, <laughs> "Chorsky, I've been watching you my whole life, and you're gonna have to play a hell of a lot better if you're gonna play for me." And he skates away, and I'm thinking, "Crap, he probably really has been watching me." Yeah. And and he just made it sound like. I'm on thin ice, and it, it rattled me a little bit because I, I thought because I thought it was going to be a match made in heaven. Yeah, and you know I guess I really didn't know Herb's antics at that. We time. didn't. I mean, you, you know, miracle wasn't out, right? Yeah, right, it didn't you come know, out. It, it didn't right? really come out. You know, unless you would have known someone that would tell you. Yeah. Um. Hey, heads up for Herb. He likes to hit you. Rattle in, guys. Right. Hit you in the mind. So, um. Yeah, so that that rattled me, and again, I didn't play great for him, and he scratched me a bunch of times. And he didn't last long, though. There were there were one night he scratched me, and I left the rink. I was so mad because Soul Asylum. I wasn't mad. I was mad that I got scratched, but Soul Asylum was playing in the city. Really? And I left the game. I took a risk that I, they might find out, but I don't care. Like I'm going to watch Soul Asylum. And Dave I, Perner. Dave Perner drove into the city. Um, and they find out? Nope. Okay. No one. <laughs> That's kind of risky, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to probably leave the rink on a game night, right? Um, Lou Lamarillo might hear this and not be happy about that. But <laughs> you know what? I, I I stayed for half the game, right? You know, because Solo Slime wasn't going on. Were they playing at a big venue? Not huge. So um, they're just playing at like a, a big First big, Avenue, kind like of a place. theater, like yeah. First Avenue. Um, and so you know they were going on at eleven. So I just to get to the city, I had to leave at like hour, you yeah, nine forty-five. So I saw half the game. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I just didn't go down. I don't know how the game ended, and I didn't go down after to you know say good job. We're boys. getting a lot of good juice here, by the way. But that was fun, you know, being being rebel like that is kind of fun. Plus, I felt like it was worth it to go watch Soul Asylum in yeah. New York City. Um. Then the next year, Jacques and, and Larry come, and, and Randy McKay comes, and Scott Stevens arrives the same week. Uh, Scott had been there, too, when I got there. Um, Billy Guerin's there. You know, Rolston is there. Um, and who else was kind of new? But we were, you know, Niedermeyer's coming into his own. Broder's coming in. And now we've got these two coaches from Montreal 
you know, legacies, Where legends. Did, what was their path to New Jersey? Were they assistant coaches? Was Jacques? They had done coaching at different times in Montreal. Yeah, and had different but never roles. Not head coach though, right? Jacques had Jacques maybe had been a head coach, but he was he he had also been like an assistant GM. Right, right. You know, he was a he could watch and he was a good evaluator and things like that. And then and not a players coach though, right? Yes and no. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's I, a player. He come off as a players coach. No. He just was very, very, very committed to uh, and had conviction about playing the way he wanted it to be done. Right. And you just couldn't really stray from it, right? And and then Larry is a great guy. Like, he's a legend, and he's the most humble, and he's a good teacher. and uh, Arguably one of the best defensemen oh, in NHL yeah. history, right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, top 10 defensemen of all time, skilled, right? And, yeah, he was just long and, and really a good player and could fight if he wanted him to. And together they had, I don't know how many Stanley Cups, but enough that we were all ears. Like, when they came in the room, you just were like, wow, these guys know what they're talking about. Yeah. And they did. They turned us, like, right away, a couple – you know, right into the season, they're teaching us. We talked about this, the bonus structure. That, that was, oh, was yeah. That, that kind of changes the whole Well, I attitude, mean, yeah, right? they, he, he did. Um, it was all about team, and kind of everyone on the team had a role, so no one sat on the bench, really. You know, if you remember, like, in theory, our fourth line was the crash line. Right. And it was Holik, McKay, and Peluso. And, but they played quite a bit because they were effective. And and so we would kind of roll lines, and the guys that were on the power play didn't kill penalties. And right. The guys who killed penalties maybe weren't on the power play, but so everyone had a role. And as long as we all liked our role and embraced our role, which we did, everyone was pretty happy. And really, when you win games, that's all that matters because as long as you're winning, you feel like you have job security. Like as long yeah. as you're winning, everyone feels like, well, they're not going to change – things up why now, would they right? change, so anything, I change right? up so um i did tell you that, that they came in and and there were you know even i had some individual um bonuses mm-hmm. so like at if i played 40 games which is half a year you know i might get five thousand dollars and if i played 60 games i got another ten thousand dollars um if i played all 80 i got another five or ten or something i don't even right. know and if you got to 20 goals you know maybe that was going to be $7,500 or whatever. But they came in and they, I I don't think they, I don't remember if they could take, I don't think they could take away our individual bonuses, but they added these team bonuses. And it was, as soon as you win three games in a row, you get 500 bucks. And every then, guy on the team. Every guy on the team. Love and then it. in the fourth game, that's another 500. So you win four in a row, now you've made 1,000. You win five in a row, you've made 1,500. That's a shutout. And if you get a shutout, that's an extra $1,000. And they announced this in preseason or, you know, exhibition season. And so we start off the year. And at this point, you have a future Hall of Fame goaltender. Yeah. We right? got Marty Brodeur. And then on D, we got Niedemeyer and Stevens. Danico. Dan- Danico. Um, uh, Bruce Driver. Uh, who else is back there? Tommy Abilene. I mean, we got a, we got a good D. Um, and we're starting to be the future Stanley Cup championship right. team, right? We're one year away, but we're pretty good. And so we rattle off like seven wins in a row and three shutouts during that time. 
And so we were like, we just thought that was the coolest, funnest thing. Like, and and I told you, like, if we got into a game and it was, um, you know, three to two or one to nothing after two periods, all we all we cared about was we were, or especially if it was one to nothing, right? If it's if we had a shutout going, we were locking that shit down. <laughs> it was just like, dude, thousand bucks, twenty minutes from now. Let's do it. Let's do it. And, you know, Marty would be like, I got this. And, you know, as long as you guys don't screw it up, he's like, we got right, this. Right, right. So, because he was super confident and, well, the best, and could do it. We chatted about this before the show. He said, you know, some guys would tell their girlfriends or their wives. Well, some are real honest and right. open and had a really honest some thing. Some were not, And some maybe. guys, which isn't, I. it was, some people would say, hey, don't tell your wife about every penny you make. Like, <laughs> If I were you, I'd put some away and, you know. and but, Cheeto money, those, right? Yeah. But, money she you know. don't know about, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but You're on a need-to-know so basis. But those are also the marriages that probably weren't that good. But my wife. my knew. My, at the time, girlfriend or maybe fiance. But she knew, like, hey, when we get a shutout, <laughs> we get a thousand dollars and we are going out for steak and lobster. So I just think that's the greatest, oh, you know, well, you look at the wives section and they're all like jumping up oh, and down. Yeah. Half of them are jumping up oh, and down. Yeah. The other half are like, why are you so happy? Why are you so happy? Yeah. We won five rips. Oh, you know, yeah. this game was over in the first period. Right. right. Yeah. So then I'd have to tell my wife, Hey, <laughs> I forgot to tell you. Don't tell everybody. Keep it on the down low or the guys are going to, you know. Might be unrest in yeah, the locker room, yeah, right? They, That's so funny. Um, speaking of funny stories, you have to have had some guys who had just some crazy superstitions. Just just like, you know, yeah, just make you laugh. Did you have one that st- stood out? Or did you have any superstitions growing up that were just. Well, the, you know, the one that I wasn't thinking about this. I didn't really have too many superstitions. Um you know, probably kind of dressed the same yeah, way underneath. Yeah, left shoe, and, right shoe yeah. kind of thing, yeah. Um, one of the funny things that I learned from Bernie Nichols, and I passed it on to someone, and it became a big story when I was in Ottawa because I shared it with a rookie. Yeah. But it was when you're in a slump. Like, Bernie would would take his stick home with him and sleep with it. Or like on the road, a hotel. He like took care of it. Like he, he like was, in the bed. Sleep in the with bed, it? yeah. He like no yeah, way. Yeah, and then and then when it didn't work for a while, he'd give it a um, swirl. He'd put it in the toilet. <laughs> he'd jam it in the toilet and teach it a lesson. And uh, I remember when I got to Ottawa, there was this rookie. Um, crap, I can't think of his name right now, and I can see his face. And they ended up doing a story about it because they the press got wind of it. Um, and he wasn't scoring, and I sat next to him in the in the locker room. I'm like, well, you know, you know what you got to do? You got to go shove your stick in the, in the toilet. toilet. <laughs> He's like, what? And I'm like, that's what Bernie Nichols does, you know. And yeah. he did it, and sure enough, he scored. And so that night after the game, you know, the press comes in, and, and they're talking to him, and, and he goes, well, Chorsky told me I just should – shoved my stick in the toilet and I did and it worked. So, you know, in Canada that becomes oh, yeah, that's a big TSN, right? Yeah, it's a big story. It's a that big is story. funny. That is funny. Uh, a lot of good stories, pro stories. Uh, you came to a business, I don't know, event of ours and you told the story about the Hussein uh, you're, you're at a, a, Saddam Hussein. Yeah, this is so good. I, 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 
put it this way: you're in a room with a hundred guys, and the, literally the, the 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 room is falling on the floor laughing, thinking it's so, the greatest story ever. So, so I just wanted you to repeat it for this would be for in the Gulf, Gulf War times, right? Yep. So ninety two, maybe ninety one, yeah. whatever. And and it wasn't on our team, but it, it it was such a good story that it circulated through the NHL, right? And I think it was in Vancouver they had um, a, an enforcer. Gino Ojik. I ended up playing with him in for the New York Islanders. But Gino was um, very tough, and you know he, I think he he grew up on a reservation and Canada in Canada and played you know hockey at a young age and you know wasn't that educated. So, and and he was very very much looking out for his teammates, and he was like protecting Pavel Bure. Yeah. And so he's stand, they're standing on the blue line during the national anthems, and someone has a sign, and it says. Kill Saddam or kill, kill Hussein. Hussein. Kill Hussein. Either way, you know, yeah. he's looking at it and he sees this sign and in red paint or whatever. It says kill Hussein. And you're playing in America probably, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and and so he looks at that and then when they when the anthems get done, he grabs one of his teammates and he says, Hey, by the way, what number is that Hussein? <laughs> and they're like, What are you talking about? He goes, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> Um, I think they're in Vancouver because they didn't like him either. Yeah, but, probably not. You know, he th- he was at his home rink and someone's telling him to kill Hussein. Hussein. And he thinks it's someone on the other team. That's so, so funny. There's so many of those stories. So many good brawlers out there. It's kind of changed though. You 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 were at the, you know, there is somewhat enforcers now. But do you have recollections yeah, of those guys? The oh, the they, fighters they have like their own breed. They have their own kind of club. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I mean, they're their own their own breed. I mean, there's been a lot of document, yeah, documentaries and stories, and you know, some of my teammates um, have have passed away or committed suicide. Who is that your guy? Is Peluso your guy? Uh New Jersey. You know, Peluso was um, probably just the best known as mostly fighting, but you know, he when that crash line was going, he was providing offense. Oh yeah, too. no question. Um, you know, but Randy McKay fought a fair amount. Ken Danico would fight a fair amount, at least on the Devils. When I was in Montreal, um, Todd Ewan was a yeah. was a big-time enforcer, and he was a super guy, and he's sadly one of the guys who committed suicide. Um, but I sat next to him in the locker room, and he would make these – he was really creative. Like, he could play guitar and sing, and he's a, he's a big, thick, big, big guy. And, you know, and that's he, – he fought a lot. But um, he would make these um, little figurines and furniture and characters out of tape. Really? Just by ripping tape, rolling it up in a different shape or a ball or a tube or whatever. And he'd make, like, living room furniture. And he'd had it in his stall. No way. Yeah, made with, made with different – like Department 56 kind of yeah, looking yeah, stuff, yeah, but with hockey little, tape? Yeah, a little stuff like he'd have a sofa and a chair and – They'd make wow. a little make a little stick guy and put it in there. So he was really creative that way. Oh, that's um, so cool. But yeah, no, the, the the tough guys were and they were typically super nice gentleman guys too. I remember Christy coming to Pittsburgh, my wife, um, when I got traded there, signed there, and then she arrived and we moved in and then we went out to dinner with this couple and the guy the other player was, was one of our fighters or tough guys and and we came home from dinner, and then we didn't even talk about that at dinner. You're just right. getting to know each other, and the yeah. wives are talking, and you're just shooting the bull or whatever. And she's like, man, that Dennis is such a nice guy. He is just the sweetest. He is so nice. And I'm like, 
Dennis is a killer. <laughs> I'm like, just going to tell you. She goes, what? And I go, no, he's like one of our fighters. Like he, he gets after it every night he can. She's like, no way. He's like, yeah, he's like so nice. And I, he's Dennis Bonvey, night, super. I see him now. He's a scout and he's a total gentleman and he's a super nice guy. But I just, we never, I, Christy and I still laugh about that because she thought he yeah. was just the nicest guy and thought he was probably, you know, just one of the guys. One stay at home player. D man. Yeah, whatever. whatever. Right? Stay at home D guy, like penalty killer, you know, <laughs> right. third line grinder. I'm like, no, that guy goes after people and kills them. That is and he's so the guy funny. that he got. When he got tapped to go out on a shift, and I was sitting next to him, and I look over, and I'd never seen this before, and he, he bends down and takes his elbow pads off because he wants to have more room, room in his jersey and have his arm free. He doesn't want that elbow pad blocking you know, his Just gets freedom. in the way. Yeah. yeah, and like I look, I go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm not going to need those. <laughs> You know, because he knows he's going to... The look on your face is priceless. Oh. Oh, well, those are just some of the things that happened and that's pretty funny. That's so funny. That's so funny. All right, uh, one more pro before we get to the last two years because there's some... I want to talk about oh. the Rangers game, but I want to talk about the high class. So you're one of the things about that people don't realize is pro athletes, some of them make a lot of money. I mean, crazy well, these amounts days, of money, especially sure these days. But even right? then, it was relative. Very, very, a yeah. lot of money. Yeah. And then there's guys that are AHL, NHL call-up guys, and you're a middle-class guy. You're, you yep. made good money uh, playing the game, but you go out to dinner, and yeah, it's you're different. Well, and, you're with, there's four and five million guys then. You yeah. Know, like the Scott Stevens, I think, at that time, and... Niedermeyer, uh, Niedermeyer, Brodeur, Brodeur, these guys are all making guys. big money. Yeah, yeah, they're making several million anyway. Maybe and you're it's, not maybe in, it's three. And you're not in Saskatoon, right? I mean, no. this is a, New York City, New York is City a very or that area, wherever. Place. Yeah, so you all go out and eat at the same restaurant, and it's a lot. You know, it's a bigger. The bill's the same for everyone, but except you're not making as much, right? So you're yeah. kind of you're keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. Um, you know, and rent in that area is a lot of money too. And, and you want to so live kind of, kind of next like door to guys, them. And right? Yeah, you want to live kind of like them. And, and we they were they're wearing thousand dollar suits, two thousand dollar suits. You want to look yeah. like those guys too, right? Yeah, you shop, you go with them, and they're hey, we're gonna go buy a suit. You want to come? Yeah, I'll go and buy a. You know, you're so yeah, you're kind of shopping, and you know, I don't think I was maybe buying quite as expensive as. You know, maybe Scott Stevens, but in the same store. Yeah, right? same zip code. Right? right, same zip code. And and so, um, yeah, it's, you know, that eats, you're, you're, you want to hang out with them and kind of do the same thing. And you're, I don't know, you just do it. And so, you you know, to not do it, you'd have to be, and there's some guys that would do it. It just wasn't really my personality to go down to tip top or whatever and go the other way. But, um, you know, it's just. It's fun too. I mean, to to run with the big your, boys, the big boys, and your teammates, and your you know, it's fun to go buy a new suit, and you're doing it as a group of five or six guys, and yeah, you know, back then you're in your twenties, and so, um, so, but yeah, you you know, and then you maybe you get home and or you you get the credit card bill later, and you're like, what was I thinking? Well, I don't make as much as that guy. I should maybe think twice, but right, right, and that's why you get a wife to kind of keep you. Typically, yeah, keep you sometimes. centered. Sometimes it was your mom, Mary, right? Well, you know, some, yeah, she probably kept you in check a few times. Certainly tried to. Yeah, you know, modest and 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 um, frugal people. 
That's that's interesting. You know, we, we talked, we, we promised we would talk about Mary Chorsky, and here's probably a good entry point for her. Um, you, I wouldn't call you a mama's boy, but you, for a long, long time, she she helped you. Well, yeah, I mean, you live at you home, did, right? You live at home, right? So your mom, yeah, always looking after you, right? Does all your meals and does all your laundry, and probably tries to keep you keep you in line on your schoolwork and 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 out of trouble. Yeah, you know, that was a big one, I'm sure. From the time I was 14 until I was, you know, out of the house at 19. Yeah. You know, there's some hawk, there's some hawking going on. And I experienced the hawking sure that you're myself. Not hanging around with the wrong crowd or, you know, getting into trouble. So, you know, yeah, mom does, mom does her job to keep you on the straight and narrow. She was uh, very good at that. Um, she, um, Walk me through 94 and 95. These are two, you know, we, we, this is the end now, believe it or not. Of, yeah. Of this, this of this part. If people um, can believe it's coming to an end. It, it is very, we're very close now. So 94, um, again, I grew up, I had a lot of, uh, after college, I had a lot of business dealings and stuff in New York City and learned to really hate New York Rangers fans. I just, I went to the garden seven or eight times and every one of the times for, for hockey, I just, for every game, I just started to hate them more and more yeah. because they're just imagine the ugly American, pretty obnoxious, pretty obnoxious. And they know nothing about the game. So imagine being at a North stars game, you know, or whatever, just growing up in Minnesota where we were really good fans. Well, there may be some obnoxious North stars fans, but at least they knew what they were talking and about. knew the game a little better. So these guys were obnoxious, knew nothing about the game and just wanted to see a fight. And I just learned to hate the Rangers fans. And then especially I hated the chant, let's go Rangers, let's yeah. go. I mean, it was over and over. And it was just like, that's all they knew how to do. I'm like, why are you even here? That was my opinion of Ranger fans. And then you, my best friend from, from, from childhood, is playing against the team I hate the most. And one of the most epic series. Walk through some of your memories of the series, uh, the the conference final against the against the Rangers. Yeah, ninety in ninety four. Um, no, they hadn't well, won. First I'm of just, all, they had not won no. in fifty four years right. the Stanley Cup. Right, nineteen forty. Um, yep. Well, first of all, being a devil in out there was you're pretty low on the sports food chain. Po- yes, pole for or, sure you are. Chain, um, and. Uh, we would meet a lot of fans or in New Jersey or run into a lot of people. And because the Devils at that time were only about, let's see, 18 years old. I think I was there for the 20th anniversary, which was a couple years into my career. So let's just say when I first got there, it's been about 18 years. But most adults only grew up with the Rangers. And, so and if they, you're in New Jersey, you may be even a Flyers fan, right? South Jersey. South Jersey, you're way down sure, there for Flyers sure. But if you're in North Jersey... You're, a lot of people were New York Giants fans yep. and Ranger fans. That was kind of the blue Is blood. Is that what it was? That's the blue blood fan base. And and then the blue collar would be the Jets and the um, maybe the Nets. You know, Knicks, Giants, and Rangers are corporate. Blue blood. Blue yep. blood. And then the Jets certainly were the blue collar New York area fans. How about the Mets? Mets and the Islanders? Mets, kind of, Mets and Islanders are kind of their own thing because they're out yeah, on Long but, Island. Yeah, Islanders yeah. are their own thing because they're out on Long Island. Um, Mets are kind of a blue collar versus the Yankees. Right. You know, okay. Blue blood. And so you guys were none of and them. And we were kind of none. 
Yeah. They're like out in New Jersey. So when you're out in New Jersey, certainly to New Yorkers, you don't. Nothing. You're nothing. You're like whatever. Like you would try to meet a girl in New York, and if you said you were from New Jersey, you might as well have just laughed at. Just, right. Yeah. You just might as well just turn around and go back to New Jersey. Right. Um. But, um. And and so the a lot of the fans were like, hey. But I know you guys are pretty good, but I'm just a I'm a Ranger fan. I grew up a Ranger fan. My dad was a Ranger fan. My grandpa's a Ranger fan. And you'd be like, okay, I get it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, but you know, moving on to that that series, um, it's called it the Tunnel Series because there's a yeah. there's the tunnel, Holland the, tunnel Lincoln, Lincoln Lincoln Tunnel yep. is between our two rinks, and it's about six miles away, and it's just like the Hatfields and the McCoys, right? And so just an epic series goes back and forth and we get to, um, you know, we're down, we were up three games to two and that before we get to the Mateau, Mateau, Mateau. Right. Um, they, and they've been playing this series on, they play Have it they every really? spring. Yeah. And and before that was the Mark Messier. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. And that we have them three games to two and he guarantees they're going to win. And that was in New Jersey, right? That was in New Jersey. Yeah. And he comes out. It's Friday night. Scores a hat trick. Yeah. Um, empty net goal for the third one. But he they came, and we had him down in that game, I think. And and he was part of the comeback. And then they take the lead, and then he scores the game-winning goal. And it was just like, did, you can't believe that that just happened. But it was Mark Messier, who's a Hall of Fame right. you know, legendary player. It's an honor to play against him, you know, to to a certain degree. When you're, he was like one of those guys, like Gretzky and Lemieux and right. Messier. And when you played against him, you knew you were playing against like greatness, greatness, the yeah. legend. So that happens, and then they, you know, they end up coming back, and we're in Game Seven, double overtime, and Stephon, Stephon Mateau. Mateau scores that goal. It's Mateau, Mateau, Mateau. And, yeah, and we lose the, you know, we lose the right to go to the Stanley Cup finals against would have been Vancouver. Vancouver. Um, and you know, but I remember feeling like we had accomplished a lot. We had, cause I had been there. That was my third season. Yeah. And so coming from where we had been, I don't know. I just didn't want to feel shitty about yeah losing and I didn't feel good about losing, but I didn't want to feel bad. I felt like, man, we had, we had a great year, great team, you know, and, and you literally kind of felt like, We'll get it, you know. We'll get it next year, or yeah, can't, almost had, can't wait till we can try again next and, and, year. And, and from a contract perspective, everybody's coming back. Everyone's coming back. There was no, there was none of that worry about it. And we're just going to be one year older, one year wiser, one year better. You know, Niedermeyer is going to be that much better. Brodeur is going to be that much better. Billy Garen is going to be that much better. Brian Rolston, you know, everyone, and we're going to have the same crew back. And we we, we know we have the formula. And we know we have the culture, and we know we have the camaraderie and everything. It's just like we just can't. We're just gonna have to. How good was the the '95 team uh, regular season wise? Well, that was a lockout. No. Oh, that's right. right? Oh, good. Yeah, 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 so yeah. We, we yeah. get locked out. So now we're on hold to for our quest. Yeah. Um. And, and you went to Italy. I right? went to Italy and played you didn't Milan. Play a lot of games though. What was the, what was the story? I don't know. That? It was just. Well, I. Didn't get over there right away. Okay, so you kind of took some time. Yeah, right? it like, took a while. For, was it because of hope that the season yeah, would happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stayed it. in okay. New Jersey for a while and practiced, yeah. and we're kind of waiting for like week by week, like, oh, is this thing going to break? And now you're and like. And then it becomes not. And then now I 
want to stop paying rent in New Jersey and just come back to Minnesota. Right. I think actually, I don't think I was even paying rent yet. I, I would, I had, I had, was like crashing at my brother-in-law's house. Really? Yeah. With my, cause you weren't sure, right? Fiance. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'd, we were just hanging out. So quit that, come back to Minnesota. And I get a call from my friend, Mike DeAngelis, who had played at Duluth. Who lives in Arizona now. Now he lives in Arizona. He's yeah. part of the, the Coyotes organization. Yeah. Um, and he says, hey, do you want to come over and play for our team? We can make a spot for you in Milan. And I was like, sure. Sounds like fun. So I go over, um, fly over to Milan. Uh, and I remember sitting down with the team president or whatever. And it was a little bit of a language barrier. Probably ended up writing down how much I wanted, yeah. you know, for him to pay me. And, and I'm trying to, and I, and I, I know that they don't have a lot of money according to him. And yeah, maybe yeah. even according to Mike, he's like, I don't know if you can make a lot of money, but if you want to come over and, and I'm just thinking, yeah, I don't, I, as long as I make some and I already have, I've got a few bucks in the bank. I just want to be skating and playing and I'll live in Milan for a little bit here and yeah. hang out with my buddy, Mike. And so I remember thinking, well, I don't want to like break the bank here like yeah, Bob, yeah. not that I'm Bobby Big Wheel but I remember <laughs> I remember giving him a number and a, immediately he's like see yes really oh yeah he was like no question I'm like I should ask I for more I should ask for more <laughs> I didn't ask for enough but now that being said when payday came around like he would he'd find me in the locker room, you know, and he'd kind of make some eye contact and I would know like, Hey, it's, this is payday. payday, Right. And he'd come out and he'd he'd always have like a little bit of a song and dance for me. And he'd have like a Brown bag, literally. Yes. You told me this a long time ago. And, and I'd be like, okay. And I would just take it. And I wouldn't like count it in front of him. I just assumed like it would be pretty good. I'd get back home to the, to the apartment and I'd open it up and it had like us dollars, Deutschmarks. No way. Italian lira, <laughs> Canadian dollars, like a, four different currencies. And you just know, like, that's not normal. No. And you're like, well, let me do the math. I'm in Italy, and uh, there's all kinds of currency here. I don't know where he's getting it or how he's getting it. You weren't asking. I wasn't really asking, but I would have to go buy, at the time, a USA Today. To figure out the to look at Just look at the currency. And it was always a little less than, he, you know, he was yeah. always like chinching me by like 50 bucks or something. And I wasn't even making that much. He'd like, my the paycheck was like $1,800. You, you know, got, and I'd get like, you know, 1750 or something. Oh my gosh. That's in so in four different currencies. That is so funny. So did you bring the Canadian stuff home with them? I mean, you couldn't really cash some of it, could you? Well, you'd go to a bank and oh, maybe you could? That's exchange true, I suppose. it, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and then... But then what a get, hassle, yeah, right? and at the end of the you didn't want to like travel with it with ten thousand dollars or whatever. Right. So yeah, it was a bit of a goofy thing. But come back, um, they settle the lockout at Christmas time. I came back for Christmas. They settle it in January, and then we start playing. And that's the year we go on to win the Stanley so, Cup. Uh, so was the, were you the first seed in the playoffs? Where were you? I no, don't, I don't we know. didn't have a great a great year. Okay, in fact, we set a record for most games on the road. Because we were such a low seed that every time we started a series, we started on the road. Like the eight seed or maybe yeah. the seven seed, maybe. Yeah. Like okay. So I remember. I mean, the, the Stanley Cup. It was sweep city. Did you sweep Detroit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was there. Was and on a, the way there, we were ten and one on the road. Yeah. 
which was a, at the time was a record. It's been tied and maybe broken. And I think you beat Philly as well. We beat Philly, yes. Pittsburgh, and uh, and then Detroit. That's right. I remember the Philly series was, was actually during the Indian Open, and all of my Southwest buddies, this is their, our annual golf tournament, were thought I was crazy that I didn't want to play golf, and I wanted to really? watch you play against Philly. Come on. Like, I'm serious. Those guys I, are I'm just right under the bus. I'm like, well, I always fans. found excuses. It was either the Belmont one year. I'd want to watch the Belmont. I left the course once, and I'm a sports geek. I'm, I'm well, sorry. I was like, those oh, guys I should watch know. this. It was well, part of it, it was probably me and Danny May, because we're throwing Danny into the bus now. Why would why would Danny May uh, miss the Indian Open? Right. Rain. And it was raining that oh, day. Oh, it was I'm raining. Like, I'm like, I'm out. Me and yeah. Danny oh, well, May that are going to watch it. the game. So it was like, I'll never forget that. Yeah. So uh, by that time, by the by the time you hit the finals, the confidence level of your team was just, it, was, it, it, feel, it felt like no one would score. The, the opposing yeah. team would not score. Yeah, we really had it. We really had a formula going on on our play and our our system, and it was known as the trap. But we just we just were hard to play against, and we didn't give up much. Um, Especially a team like that, Detroit. Yeah, and they really wanted to run and gun, and they had you know they had Fedorov and they had Dino Cicerelli, and they had um, you know a bunch of you know other really good offensive guys, Kozlov and. Um, Iserman can't yeah. believe I didn't start with him. But, right, I mean, just a legendary guy. But um, and and so, you know, people talk about the grind of of getting those sixteen wins. Right. Um, to to win a to win a cup, and it is a grind. And but but each time you win a series, you're as you sort of said, you're gaining more momentum and you're gaining more confidence, and. Once you get on that roll, that momentum, and you've got your formula down, um, you know, you lose a game, it doesn't really seem to matter because you know you're going to come back and get another shot at it. And as long as you – you know, Jacques, that was one thing about Jacques and, and his style and his belief system. And he just – like I said, he had so much conviction that it, it, it you know, oozed and seeped into our brain or osmosis yeah. into our brain is that – if you just stick with the plan and stick with the system over the long haul, it's going to work. It's going to work. It's like percentages, right? It's like, it's like the casino or whatever, you know, it really was the formula for a casino is they're going to make money. Like they're going to, some people are going to win money and lose money, you know? uh, And did you win on the road to win the couple? No, we, we, we had to go on the road because we were the lower seed. So you won at home. So we won at home. So we won, won, we won the first two in, in Detroit and then last two at, and then the last two at home. And I'll tell you a couple of interesting stories about the finals. Um, one is that I started game one. I was gonna, I was, I was gonna get to it. And I was literally, I started like because Jacques used to have me and Bobby Carpenter and Johnny Mack, Johnny McLean, who I probably didn't mention earlier, another great leader on our team, and a and a still a friend, um, great guy. We started, you know. So I'm on the I'm on the blue line for the national anthem of the Stanley Cup finals yeah. in game one. Game two, I get scratched. I was going to say, was it two or three? I wasn't sure it was two, two. or three. Okay, two. yeah. I come back, and I didn't play probably great that game, but I get scratched, and Jimmy Dowd comes in for me. And Jimmy Dowd scores the game-winning goal. Really? Yeah. Someone had taken a slap shot. It hit um, Paul Coffey in the ankle. 
And he went down, and he stayed down, like grabbing his leg, hoping that the get whist- a whistle. Get a yep. whistle. The old well, whistle trick, right? But the puck stayed in play, and it was in their zone, and and puck, you had possession, right? Puck, yeah. Someone then someone gets a puck again and shoots it on net, and there's a rebound, and Jimmy Dowd's all alone in front of the net and shoots Scooped it in. Scooped it in, Scooped, yeah. Shoots in a rebound, and and that ended up being the game-winning goal. Then we get on the plane. You know, I Wait, just stop. Stop. Okay. So I was pissed that I got scratched. scratched. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like your parents. Like, wait, yeah. he's not in there. Like, right. what's going on? And I remember, I don't know why I remember this, but it was a press conference. I don't. It probably wasn't a press conference, but it was in the paper somewhere. I read a quote from Jacques Lemaire, and he was bragging that he scratched you. Oh, probably he bragged it. He said, "Don't he goes, tell me this. I didn't." know It's this. a good brag. It's don't. Oh. It's good. He was bragging. He goes. He goes. It's proof, our, you know, I'll do my oh, job. He goes, yeah. it's proof that our system works. I can sit a superstar like Tom Chorsky, oh. and we still win games. Yeah. That's something like that's bad. That's almost more Russian than It was than more Russian. Than, Sorry, but than, anyway. Than but that was what it was. Doc. He oh. used your name was in okay. the press conference. Well, and then all's well that ends well. Yeah. Right? So we go. What I was going to say is now we're on the plane flying back, and I was, I feel like I was sitting next to Marty Brodeur, which wasn't common, but... Either that or I just... What, what does the plane look like? Is it just a standard, you know, a charter no, like that? No, it's mostly a bunch of first-class seats. And, and there's a lot more room to walk around, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never been on one, yeah. so I'm just curious. What, no, tell like us what it looks like. Two, two aside of, at least at that time, just... And sometimes they have facing, you know, each other, so right. they have a card table and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And back in 95, this, this wasn't that... Plush, yeah, 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 we're not right. like Puff Daddy, you know, right. flying around here. We're not Jay Z, um, but I'm sitting there next to Marty, or I, I was maybe just stopped at where he was sitting, and I was just saying like how awesome this was. I can't believe we're up two games to zero, and you're you've been amazing. And he, I still remember. He goes, "We got this. We're gonna win." And I'm Lincoln. Really? I mean, we're up two zero. He goes, "It's over." He. This is a young Marty Brodeur telling yeah. me that it's over. And I'm thinking, wow. And then game three, I play. Um, another little story. After game three, Jacques, we, we're, we're, we're warming up or morning skate before game four. And Jacques, we must have been bobbling pucks. And it was a little quiet. Well, yeah, you're on the eve of this, right? We're on right? the eve of this thing or the, you know, it's the day of, but. And he senses that, right? And so he calls us in kind of in the middle of the little skate around, and he just said, hey, he goes, you seem quiet, you seem nervous, you seem uptight, you, you know, you're, you're not handling the puck very well. And he said, and he kind of just looked at it, he goes, do you really think they're going to win four straight games? He goes, no chance, right? So he just kind of set everyone at ease. Set everyone at ease, and, you, you know, you – I'm, we should have been able to think that way, and maybe we were a little. I don't remember. All I know is that he looked at us and said, "Do you really think you're going to lose the next four games?" Yeah. And we go out and we actually thumped them pretty bad in Game Four. It's five to two. Um, it was close for a while, but we, in the end, we, you know, we ran away with it, and obviously knew we were going to win the cup with like seven or eight minutes to go. Crowd's going crazy. Oh, yeah, and it's the first championship they've ever had in the state. Um, it's a team that if they were if there were long t- 
time ticket holders or fans, you know, they lived through the Mickey Mouse yep. era when Wayne Gretzky called a Mickey Mouse a organization. Mickey Mouse organization and and all that. So um pretty cool. Pretty cool. And nowadays, um, you know, I'll be in New Jersey or I'll meet someone from New Jersey that will say, I was there the night you guys won. I was eight years old and my dad really? yeah my dad took me to the game and i'll never forget it It was the greatest night of my life and i'm like yeah me too <laughs> uh, um but yeah it's you know it was it was really cool accomplishment um and you know probably you know your life kind of flashes before your eyes oh yeah you're, you're sitting in the locker room after at some point you reflect and you're and you're and Literally thinking Lake of the Isles, West High School, Southwest High School, go for hockey. Yeah. Getting cut from the Olympic team, you know, all these things along the way. And your friends and your family who were there along the way and the Wiz Wyatts and right. the Tom Scotts and the Daryl Gruys and yeah. all these dads that drove you to the rink and you're like it's just a culmination, like the ultimate culmination All of, it. of kind of what we've talked about here in, the whole, in, yeah. in episode one and two, yeah. I guess. Um, who was there from your family? Was your sister there? Yep. So Actually, she made it there. I know, you're, I know I've seen a picture of you and your dad. Mom and dad were there. My sister was living in New York, I think, at the time. So she came over. Um, my cousin Michael Chorsky was, li- was living in New York. He came over. My aunt and uncle from Duluth were kind of big hockey fans. They were really yep. Bulldog fans. Um, f- fair enough, you know, yep. from Duluth, Pat Pat and Carol Tierney. Um, so I had, and even I think their kids, my cousins, mm-hmm. Pat and Martha. Um, so I had like all kinds of, and then I had my my fiancé's. family. Yeah, yeah. like fiance, Christie's side of the family. Um, a bunch of people were there. Her mom got in kind of a last minute. You know, I was, I had, had to yeah, ride a bunch of tickets and I didn't have one for her mom until like like 45 minutes before the game. Finally got one. Someone in the locker room goes, hey, there's an extra. I got it. And so and you have to buy these tickets. You don't get anything for no, free. No, you had to buy them. Yeah. So, yeah. So my mother-in-law got to be there and that's, that's a story we tell too because she usually takes two hours to get ready and in this case she took like 10 minutes. 10 minutes. <laughs> she and, proved it, right? And got in her car and somehow found a parking spot and down at, you know, the Meadowlands uh, and got into the game. And, and so, yeah, that, you know, after, when you win, there's, there's, you know, there's streamers and whatever, and yeah. you're skating around and you look through the plexiglass and you cheering with your family. It was, it was all very surreal and very cool. And then there's a lot of parties that follow. So we'll get to one, we'll get to the party here back in Minneapolis, but what, tell me what that night is like. And that's, I mean, you see the Ovechkin now, or it's yeah. all day long. Is this, is, did, did that go on all night? Did, yeah, did pretty it last much. till six in the morning? Yeah. We hung out in the locker room for a good amount of time, just kind of, and so we opened up in, the right? locker room. We like, we let, oh, that's where my family and friends, they, came and in, they huh? all got to come in, which would never happen now, I don't think. It's no. like a security breach of some right. sort. But th- we let everyone in. They were all Had in there. Had you showered by that point? No, it, we were kind of ha- half dressed. Okay, you know, right. still like in your bottoms and yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, the cups in there, and probably even the Eastern Conference Final trophies in there, and 
you're drinking out of the cup already in there and there's beers are flowing and champagne just like you probably see. Yeah. Um lot you know, and you just continue to be in disbelief and hugging and high fiving and um and then then it starts to be like, Well yeah, let's get showered up and go out go somewhere York, else. Right? Well the or team New had Jersey. the team had rented um in in anticipation they had a ballroom at a hotel nearby all set up like for VIPs and we lost for family friends and and the organization and there's a band and there was just a spread of food and open bar oh my goodness so the band you know so we go there for a while and then probably at about two or so um there was a bar back in where our practice facility was called the Verona Inn and that's where we always kind of hung out back in the yep. neighborhood. It's just yeah. like a, it's like a, it's like a bunnies or, you right. know, it's like a, a small sports bar. And so we rolled into there at, I don't know, two o'clock and, um, with the cup and, you know, the cup's just under the tap constantly yeah. and you're filling it up and, and, you know, you're still going strong. And then at about six or seven, when does the adrenaline fly well, the co- out and there were police there and people were trying to come in and you know you'd every now and then you'd get a tap like hey there's a guy out there who says he's your buddy you right know, right you know. yeah yeah but yeah so um then we leave at about seven starting to be starting to be a little tired yeah not really like not really hammered not you know smashed drunk yeah because you're talking so much and you know yeah you're drinking every once in a while but it's not like you're doing shots of tequila for four hours yep um so then I, if you want to know my story at that point, I get a the good idea with my fiance that we should go down to the beach, which is about ninety minutes away, maybe yep. an hour. Yep, the shore. We're going to the shore. Let's go yeah. to the shore and like keep this going. We'll <laughs> we'll go have breakfast and have um, bloody marys, you know, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so we get in the car and and she drives. I sleep a little bit. We get down there and start partying again and. It was just the craziest, dumbest thing to do, kind of, because most people. I should have just went to bed probably for a while, but yeah. it was fun to go down. And it's a se- it's Sunday morning. Yep, the weather's good. You're at the beach. It's June 25th, and I remember people are like, "Dude, what are you doing here?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I'm just won the Stanley Cup, and we're just having a good time." Yeah, and we're down at you know the beach bars and everything, and and I think at about. We probably got down there at 9.30. I think I took my last breath at about 11.30. <laughs> was like, I was like. Um, Zonk. What in 16 Candles when uh, when he's like, party's over. <laughs> party's over. And it was like, time to go home. And so we went back to the, we had a beach house that we were renting with like eight other couples. Yeah. Who were already probably down there whatever so we just crashed for about 12 hours and and then had to wake up and come back for the parade in new jersey and that was that was a lot of fun too it was where was the parade never been done before it was a parade in a big parking lot around the rink (laughs) which sounds stupid and not very special but it worked it was okay i mean it's funny lot i don't know ten thousand people came out or something and filled up around the meadowlands which is where the Giants play too. Yeah, Giants yeah. Stadium is there, and they, so we were sitting on convertibles and wheeling through the crowd. It certainly wasn't like ticker tape Say, down, yeah, down Michigan Madison, Avenue, Madison, Madison Avenue, Avenue, Avenue or, or, or New York, but yeah. but it for us it was it was good enough, I guess. 
All right, we're almost done here. We're almost done. Uh, Last party. Let's talk about your your recollection of bringing the cup back to Minneapolis. Yeah, it was a big day for me. It was. That yeah, was, I remember for three or four days leading up to it, it was like it felt like Christmas. It was like I'm gonna get to see Chore. Get to see and and for me, I was now it's not as special for you, but it was a really special day for me. Get to see all the guys from like we just talked about. They were all there. West High School, Lake of the Isles, Southwest Hockey High School, Dads probably, and Sid Hartman. I mean, Sid I mean, literally. I mean, it yeah. was all there. Steve the Cannon, Steve, Steve Cannon. Cannon. That doesn't mean a lot to everyone, but if you like, meant WCCO, a lot to our neighborhood. Yeah, and yeah. But the whole thing, it was just this full Monty of uh, excitement yeah. that night at Calhoun Beach Club, and then obviously down at the Loon too. So yeah, walk through. So what before your that is. official day. Um, what happened was Neil Broughton got it before me. Oh, really? Up in Roseau? No. He didn't? Do, oh, River you go out to Hudson? Hudson. Or, uh, River, River Falls. Falls, whatever. And Neil being Neil <laughs> didn't have a lot of time for it. He's like, really? Yeah, I mean, I think he had, you know, some friends and brothers and little barbecue. And, you know, the barbecue probably lasted four hours. Yeah. And when the barbecue was over, he was done with it. So, really? Yeah. So it, did you get a head start then? Yeah. So at like four o'clock, he must have started at twelve, and he was done at four. Yeah. And I get a call from the cup um, guy. Yeah. What do you call him? He's like the cup concierge or the yeah. cup guardian or whatever. Um, and it's not the guy who is now. It's not, right. Not those guys. This guy um, was the first one, and he calls me and he's like, "Well, Neil's done. I'm over in River Falls." And goes, looks like I can be there in about 90 minutes. You want me to come? I said, hell yeah. Come on. <laughs> and I'm, all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm thinking my day with the cup is tomorrow. And all of a sudden, I'm getting it today. From right. At about, By this time, you got Callum Beach Club at all about, booked. Right? Yeah, the yeah. Callum Beach Club's for tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and, and the loon after that. But So now I got a free night. And so I get on the phone with a few people. Um, and let them know, like, hey, I'm getting the cup here at 5.30 or 5 o'clock or something. And he gets there. And you're there. living in, over in a dining, like Lynn Avenue, whatever, right there? Yep, yep. The, right, on, right on the edge of by Southwest High School, yeah. off, of, off of France Avenue. Um, and I get, uh, I think John Johansson lets me have his convertible. Really? Big old Cadillac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... I know I had it for the next day. I don't know if I had it the first day. But anyway, it's about 5 o'clock, and I just start. I pick the guy up. Do we, I think I had to pick him up. Where did I pick him up? At his hotel. And I get the cup, and now we start driving around. And I don't even know what to do. And he's following you, right? He's with us. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's in the car, and, and I'm not even sure where to go. So I just, like, pick the first bar I see, which I think was Jose's down next to the Loon. Yep. But, and then we head out to... Um, Bunnies, because my parents I remember that well, my yeah, parents yeah. would go watch the game at Bunnies. Yeah, my games because we didn't have satellite and they had the big satellite and yep. Gary, Gary Rackner, the owner, who I happened to see today. Yeah, I stuck. I got into Bunnies today and had a lunch. Um, he had asked me. He's like, "Man, if you if you could find the time to come here with the cup, that would be awesome." And all of a sudden, I had some extra time. Had I only got it my day, I probably wouldn't have because my whole day, the next day, was Bloomington Ice Garden, yeah. uh, K-Fan Radio, uh, and then Calhoun Beach Club, and then the Loon, and then back home to 
John Johansson's house. And so I go to Bunny's and I show up unexpectedly. And there's like some softball teams in there and just some <laughs> regulars. And their eyes just get big as saucers. They're like, get the out of here, right? They're like, yeah. that is not the Stanley Cup. I'm like, it sure is. And Gary tells a story that Byerly's, which is the nearby grocery store, yeah. sold out. I don't know how he found out, but maybe someone went there to go get a disposable camera. But people ran out of bunnies and went to go buy those disposable cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted to get a picture of it. We didn't have phones. Right. Our, you know, we yeah, had yeah. cameras at the time. So, yeah. So we roll into bunnies and people get their picture with it and they get to touch it and hold it. And they can't drink out of it in public, but um, they still had a good time with it and it was pretty cool. And, and people never that never expected to see it, it rolled into the bar that night. And then and then we went to um, back to my house and just had a quiet, you know, we had some beers and champagne or something. We just sat and looked at it. And, you know, the cool thing, one of the cool things is, you know, Gordy Howe is on there. Bobby Orr is on there. Mary yeah. Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky. I mean, John Beliveau. You know, they're all on. Yeah, there. They're all on there, right? Going way back, and and it's just kind of the coolest thing um, for a hockey player that you can ever have. And and it's sitting on your coffee table on a Wednesday night. Yeah, uh, and you're just sitting with two other people or three other people having a beer, looking at it. it. That part was pretty cool. And then the next day, big celebration and sharing it. And, um, Denny May, you know, said, Hey, could you bring it to the rink? I brought it to the rink. He made sure that tons of kids from Bloomington, Bloomington all or, around, you know, yeah. whoever he could get them to see the cup and get a picture with it. Um, and then the Calhoun beach club thing, which was a huge neighborhood oh, yeah. gathering of so cool. Um, and you know, I had invited people, but there was no security. And so there was, there was a lot of people that were just friends of friends of friends, you know, but for the most part, it was everyone we knew from high school, grade school, the neighborhood, relatives. Um, it was like a wedding. Yeah, it was like a wedding, and that's a wedding event type place. Yeah. Um, and then they they named it. It was Tom Chorsky Day by the city of Minneapolis. Oh, was yeah. Pat Scott, you know. Oh yeah. Got it from the city council. Got it declared Tom Chorsky Day. And then we went down to the loon, and you know, and then it. And I still, my friends had hired a photographer, so I got pictures of me and you yeah, yeah. shaking hands in right, front of the yeah, cup yeah. and stuff, and and lots of pictures. Um, and then you know, then it, it was fun down at the loon too until two in the morning, and then then we went to a house party for from two to about five o'clock. And what a day! Yeah, the end of it too was again though. By the end of it, it was like time to go home. <laughs> Closer down. There's some fights, you know. There was like some squabbles. Start not. Not drop down fist yeah. fights, but it was more like cat fights, and there was just people would. There had been enough fun for one night, and time to go home. But uh, obviously, great, great times and uh, stories with the cup. Well, we had a, a, a long round here, two hours and twenty, the longest pod <laughs> in pod <laughs> history, right? That's not good. That was good though. I had a great time. It was it was enjoyable. Can you warn them on the front end oh, that I, they should? Maybe consume this. I in think when you open chunks. pod, you just see see two, how long it you is. See two hours, and you're gonna go. Well, I'm gonna spend a few days on this bad boy, or I'm not doing it at all. Right. No, they'll. I would. I I, I listen to Spit and Chicklets. That's two hour shows. Okay, and, well, let's talk some more. What what, <laughs> what haven't we talked about? Up I think here? we've covered it all. We've, we've covered we've, everything. We've covered it the all. The only thing we didn't cover, I think, was Uncle Bill. And that would be the only thing that we missed out on. I think he's kind of where you 
you know, the athletic genes uh, spewed from. He was a, a tailback, uh, Edison High School. Yeah, and, from and, Northeast. And, uh, played for the played Gophers. Played for the Gophers. Played so. football for the Gophers. Um, and went on to a very successful professional career, too. Yeah, business career. And, and what I would say about him is, you know, since my you, dad. I bring it up is you've always looked, besides your dad, of course, yeah. but you've always looked up to your uncle. and Well, he's a, he at the time, he took a big interest in my my both me going to college and where I was going to play and make the right decision and stuff like that. So, um, and then since my dad passed away, he's been like my surrogate father, like you can't believe. Um, and you mentioned he had, you know, he had a successful medical device. Medtronic, right? Related career ended up. Yeah. At Medtronic after a couple other stops, but, um, you know, and very generous and philanthropic and he gave back to Edison for a long time in a lot of ways, financially sponsored, you know, scholarshiping kids that were smart, but didn't have the money. Right. Kind of thing. Cause yeah. he really felt like he benefited from, um, education and he ended up getting his MBA from Harvard. And if you saw the house he grew up in, you know, he, even he probably at some point was like, I can't believe I went from there. I to went there. from there to the success that he had, but he worked hard and he, and he really worked hard to become an en- you know an engineer and and a CFO of of Medtronic and things like that. So, but he's really shown he's really shown me how to be, um, you know, both a father and and philanthropic and and just I don't know. He's just got a, he's organized, right? He's just got his shit together kind of thing. So yeah, and he's eighty now, and or maybe. Maybe he's a little over. He's 80. older than your dad or younger? He's older. Okay. My dad's older brother. And um really active, really, you know, really pretty healthy. Um, got remarried. You know, his wife unfortunately passed away. He got married at age seventy eight. We went to the or, wedding. Yeah, we went to the Remember wedding that. in yeah, New York told City. Me about that. And that was kind of fun. And um, you know, at first you, it's weird that you're seventy years yeah, old, he's right? Seventy years old and, and there and his his wife isn't like fifty. She's in her seventies too. Yeah. And both are active, both, you know, very, I don't know, keep, keep, take care of themselves and, and, and smart and, and really good people, good hearts. And so we're, we're blessed to still have them around, but, and look up to them. So, you know, it's nice to, to bring them up and throw them, a, throw them a little bone. Speaking of Northeast, do you remember maybe a jogging memory? Remember you and I went and did urban tennis in Northeast because yes. my brother With taught your brother, and was that kind of like an eye opener for us of meeting these kids from Edison? Because that was a part. I mean, that's so far away from where we grew up. And what do you? Although it was close to where my dad and that was Bill, my point. Did you get kind of like a? I kind of see where my dad, how yeah. he came from. Those yeah, my places. Grand, their their childhood home wasn't that far from that Wyndham, park. It was Wyndham Park, Wyndham right park. on like Central or but Johnson, yeah, right? I remember that because. I don't know. We just, that was like forced babysitting. You know, Mike had to take us with him. Yes. And, and that's when we played tennis every day for a summer. Yeah. All and, summer. And got pretty good at tennis. Yeah. I guess. It was just a, it was just a completely different. I thought they, those kids, like, like, like the kids from North Minneapolis were different from the Kenwood kids. The kids from Northeast were completely different. And I, I just was like, wow, they live a completely different lifestyle than we live. And yeah. it wasn't different. It was just they were just raised differently. And it was just a little more – I think what I mean by it, they were just a little bit more blue-collar. There's a little more blue-collar, and it's a little more ethnic. Yeah. Because Chorsky is a Polish name, and it's very Polish and Eastern blockish, right? And we've always known that. Yeah. At least when we were young, Edison. 
for sure was, was Polish. It was like the all Polish, Polish guys, yeah. All right. Polish. So, yeah, it was definitely a different set of standards. So, well, let's wrap it up here. Um, we are lucky to have a sponsor, uh, the Minnesotan. You wear their stuff I do proudly uh, and I'm wearing I'm wearing, I'm wearing a nice little quarter zip they, they got me and I appreciate it uh, so it's uh, it's kind of funny to say this you have a bunch of their stuff maybe you'll get some more as today's show Tom will get a gift from the Minnesotan sent to him thanks to the Minnesotan again for their sponsorship of the pod make sure to stop in and check them out or jump online and get a free shipping if you put in the code tradition for all YHH listeners thanks for tuning in hope you enjoyed the show we we'll hope to see you on the rink soon